Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Hey guys, we're using Poshmark and you should too. Do you have things that you don't wear anymore? Poshmark is seriously the easiest way to make room in your closet, make some cash, and also snag a bargain. It's the coolest reseller with the best brands like Lululemon, Nike Reformation, and Gucci for up to 70% off. DJ Khaled has a closet and Serena Williams. Download the app today. Enter Podcast 10 when you sign up for $10 off your first purchase on Poshmark. Saving starts with internet and wireless from Xfinity. Because when you get Xfinity Internet and add mobile, you can save up to $400 a year on wireless. Enjoy fast, reliable internet at home and nationwide 5G on the go, included at no extra cost. Get Xfinity Internet and Mobile together and ask how to get an eligible 5G phone on us. And for a limited time, $300 back. Don't miss out. Go to Xfinity.com slash start saving. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Savings based on optimized pricing. Actual savings may vary. Today's Corolla Classics is brought to you by LifeLock. A recent survey showed couples share a variety of passwords within the first six months of dating. But sharing passwords with a significant other may put you at risk if the relationship ends and your ex may still have access to your login information. And uh, they could track your location, access more than you intended if you use the same password for multiple accounts. So it's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet and in an instant a cybercriminal or an ex could harm what's yours, your finances, your credit, your reputation. But good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. And if they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert and you have access to a dedicated restoration specialist. If you become a victim, you got to check it out. It's a lifelock. Tell them, Gio. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by using promo code ADAM. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to lifelock.com and use promo code ADAM for 25% off. Hello and welcome to Corolla Classics for May 15th, 2021. The show where we play highlights of the Adam Corolla Show. Over 12 years of podcasting history. We've got a lot of clips to choose from. We've got a great show coming up. My name is Chris Loxamana, the executive producer of the Adam Corolla Show. And with me, as always, Corolla archivist, super fan Giovanni. Hey everybody, happy Saturday. Welcome to a great Corolla Classics. Oh yeah, it's going to be a nice weekend here. And we're going to kick it off with a clip from 2011 featuring Petros and Money. Petros Papadakis, uh, Matt Money Smith, who Adam's known since like 94. Adam Carolla show episode 724. This is December of 2011. They're driving on the way to the Grove, so it's in car. I've uh, compressed it, normalized it, remastered it. It's a super cut. You get a little bit off the top, and then I jumped ahead to when they're discussing some 80s films, uh, some, some, stero- some tropes and stuff, and get a little Red Dawn in there. It's hilarious. Check it out. From Adam Carolla's car on the way to the Grove of Anaheim, this is the Adam Carolla Show. Today, it's a special road trip with guests Petros and Money. And now, get ready for some road rage. Adam Carolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get it on, man. Day, get it on. And always happy to have Petros and Money in the Lexus on the way to Anaheim. Got to shoot for that diamond lane. Ah, boy. I was just thinking how good you guys are and how great the show sounds and uh 
and how good you sound, Matt Money Smith, and and how how big a deal in in radio reps are. I mean, we always talk about you guys talk sports and you talk quarterbacks and you talk reps, but I knew you way back when, and you have such a rhythm now, and it's the, the, there's no substitute for the reps. Can you can you speak about that for a moment, man? A lot of it has to do with who you're doing reps with. It, it, had you heard my prior incarnation oh, on KLIC, on. you would have known that I was wildly inexperienced and worthless as a radio talent. The fact that I work with Petros and that we've been together, we're coming up on five years. Damn. So it's not just reps individually, but reps together where yeah, that, you're comfortable. That's definitely a, a chemistry and a rhythm. And, a, and you're going to want to take the two, by the way. I'm going to want to take the two. So you might want to pop out of the old diamond lane. <laughs> yeah. But I got to say, like, I mean... It's weird because I try to explain to people all the time, like, you don't really get funnier and you don't get better. You just get more experience and thus you have something that can't be bought and can't be taught. Like, there are no classes at the learning annex that can give you five years on the air together. Right. Or just X amount of hours in, in front of that microphone. And I met you in what year? How, how far 1993. Back? 1994. 94. 1994. Had you just You got, got there a month before I did. I got there before you did. Just like a month. Because I was there for the actual fight between Jimmy and Michael, the maintenance man. Right. But I believe you arrived like a month or maybe six weeks prior to that. Actually, Jimmy only had... They only gave him like three weeks to train, if you want to call it that. So if you got there for the fight or just before the fight, then essentially we got there at the same time. Right. Because obviously I wouldn't have been there before training Jimmy because that's why I was there. So uh, I guess, you know, it's weird because when you're when you're somewhere for two months, whoever got there two weeks earlier is the KG veteran. <laughs> but, but once 15 years goes by, it's yeah. like the difference between the second grade and the fourth grade when you're a kid, and now it doesn't make a difference. Uh, anyway, so now, <laughs> the old traffic edition of the podcast. So um, <laughs> let's, let's focus on Petros for a moment. Petros, you, you grew up, your dad is a... Is a is a star at USC. My father, well, yeah, yeah, he was a he was a all Pac ten or Pac eight or Pac three or whatever it was back in the late sixties, early seventies. Linebacker, emotional leader of the team at USC, most inspirational player, right at USC, which was an award that I won too. So we're the only father son tandem, I believe, yeah, to have won that award. And yeah, he's insane. My dad, I, you've met my father, no. No, you've not. Uh, you know your dad, and he owned the Greek restaurant. Yeah, Papadakis Taverna, which was open 38 years. We closed about about two, almost almost three years ago. No, about two years ago. And now. and you worked there my whole life. Yeah, worked at the restaurant doing you know first with the ashtrays, and there's a technique to that, by the way. Right. And because you don't want the ashes to go flying up all over the people, right, they get right, upset about that right. and their food and whatnot. They have those weird red beanbag ones with like the tartan beanbag thing. Remember, remember oh yeah, I do remember that. Trays? Yeah, that was nice. You know, for the console of your car. Yeah, you know, yeah, while you were smoking while driving. Usually, a, on the uh, transmission hump very nice. Is there anything more depressing than an ashtray with more than I want to say ten cigarettes in it? No, no. I, but I can remember, you know, climbing into cars and just seeing that heaping, bulging yeah. ashtray. Yeah. 
And it was always, you know, you know what a great FU move to society was? The guy who had the ashtray filled with butts and then at some point would just pull over and capsize the whole <laughs> right. thing. At a stoplight. Yeah, like, so there'd be a pyramid of cigarette butts <laughs> sitting on, like, now I think people have learned they just flick them out individually, but they don't. Right. Why bother going through that entire process of collecting them in your car only then just to dump them on the street? I yeah. had all those jobs, you know. I, I cooked a little bit. I wasn't that great of a cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a great dishwasher and sorter of dishes. We had a shortstop position at the restaurant, which was kind of like the go-between between the waiters and the kitchen, right. which was strong. Right. Then I became a busboy and then naturally progressed into becoming a waiter. And did you make pretty good tips? Oh, yeah. I made good money. Yeah. And you guys were busy? Oh, yeah. We used to kick ass. 350 bucks a night, man. And tips? Oh, yeah. We'd make wow. money. Yeah, my brother blew wow. all his money on a stereo for a Cadillac that he had. He was 16 years old. I was 14. And my older brother, we went to this place in town called Crazy Stereo. Because, sure. of course, right? Yeah. He was 16 years old. And he got two twelves, two eights, you know, the six by nines and the side and it was this old Cadillac that my dad had given him. It was actually a convertible. It was and, such a crazy time. It's yeah. like you would put a stereo system in your car. Worth like, more than the car. Oh, yeah. Like you would put a surround sound system in your den. It's weird. Car manufacturers, it took them 65 years to figure out, hey, maybe people want a decent stereo in their car. Maybe we should just <laughs> offer it up to them. Stock. It's so weird. Like, everything from rims to a cool steering wheel to a cool stereo, none of it existed. It was all aftermarket. And you'd go get your stereo, and then everyone would get their stereo stolen. Everyone I knew would get their well, stereo stolen. we had the stolen. Alpine. Absolutely. We had yeah. the Alpine thing that came out. You'd the, have the pull-out. The pull-out. It wasn't the face that no. came off. That was a little later. Yeah, there's a pull-out. So this could, was the pull-out, so you just walked around like, like a little man purse. but carry a brick around. But then... It was, a, it was a tape deck, and the second we turned it on, we were so excited. I mean, it was like $2,500, all the tip money right. for like six years, all pooled together for my brother's stereo and his Cadillac. And we turned it on, and it blew the license plate off the back. Like, the first thing, we we were playing too short, and it was cuss words, which was, you know, motherfuck you, damn stupid hoe, you know. And we just play it as loud as we could and and drive around. And, and, you know, the the bass would shake your chest to where, you know, you felt like you were having a stroke. Yeah. That was the life. I mean, that was it. You know, we'd go get all those tapes, you know. I could remember two things. I could remember the guys that had to pull out stereo, but then they would take it out with them and then they'd get drunk and they'd leave it at the restaurant or something. <laughs> so essentially they'd steal their own stereo by leaving it somewhere. Then there's that thing where after about the 20th out and in, it didn't hook up the way it right. needed to and you'd have to start pounding on it. You loosen the connection. Also, when you tried to pull it out, it would start taking half the dashboard with it like yep. it was like pulling a band-aid The off. cradle didn't stay in anymore. Yeah, the cradle would get loose. I finally... Once in, in in my you know lo, when, when right about the time I was sort of body, bottoming out, I had a I had a Datsun pickup truck, and you terrorist. The only thing I had that was a value in my life was a Sony stereo that was in this Datsun pickup truck, but it was worth more than the truck was. But it wasn't pull out. It didn't have the faceplate that popped off or anything. And I was living with my stripper girlfriend in Hollywood, oh, and yeah. there was no underground parking or anything. I was parking on the street on Franklin in Hollywood. And by the way, 
the whole Hollywood and Vine resurgence thing is great, except for the guy running around shooting people. Other than that, it's been pretty good. But this is 20 years ago, and it was pretty dicey yep. back then. And I knew that stereo out on the street wasn't going to make it two nights. So just spray. Uh, it's like chumming the water. Yeah, chumming. So I just spray painted it brown. And I was like, I desecrated my own stereo. <laughs> I put a piece of tape over the digital readout, and I literally just took brown paint. I spray painted it brown. The dash was brown. And everyone's like, why are you paint it brown? And I'm like, because a junkie cannot steal a brown stereo and sell it. It would take hours and, and Q-tips and lacquer thinner to clean this thing properly, and it can't be done. So it's like what I essentially did is I fucked it up so that it couldn't be stolen and sold. Because the people who stole stereos, I figured out, didn't listen to stereos. No. They sold stereos. At the flea market. And they sold it to get crack. To, they'd just give it to a dude, and he'd give them 50 bucks, and then they'd buy crack. So I figured if I painted it brown, and it never got stolen, and my car got stolen three times, and the stereo still got left in it. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, I had the fuel cutoff switch. Speaking of crackheads, I had my doors to my Jeep Wrangler stolen by a oh, crackhead. I swear to God. You, you want to talk about violation? You young kids, you don't know what you're, what, what we had to endure. They would steal pieces. They would steal car rims. If you had a Jeep, you had, that to, used you had to, to be the lock thing. Up the, you had to lock up the rear yeah. tire. They would steal right. the spare. Like now everything's just 50 cents and made in China and you can go online and big whoop. They used to steal car rims, car stereos, every speakers. If you had a Jeep, they'd steal the stereo, the rims, the spare tire and the doors. And the doors. Fucking crackheads. And if they were pissed at you, they'd just take a knife and slit one of the windows. (laughs) (laughs) Right. One of your plastic windows. I missed seeing people driving around with like duct tape where the window was. And yeah. A, oh, yeah. And a I had that hanger, going. Coat hanger for the antenna. car antenna. Yeah. I liked when you didn't have the pullout stereo. It just became the face that came off. And then the guys would have the little box where you'd like put a tennis bracelet in almost. Right, and right. then, you know, just slip it in their pocket. Yeah. And walk around. We don't have that anymore. The no. faces don't come out. What do they have now? I'll People t- just don't steal them anymore. I'll tell you the only, pl- I'll tell you the only vehicles on the road that still have the face pop off, it's, it's the worst possible vehicle in the worst possible location, is if you get in a limo, every limo I climb into is like from 1992, and they have the stereo <laughs> up on the ceiling, and it's pitch black back there. Oh, yeah. And everything's push button, like the volume is yep. push button, and you're trying to get it lower, but it's getting louder, and you start pushing buttons, and all of a sudden the thing just pops off and lands in your drink. <laughs> What kind of asshole would put a pop, pop-up face on the limo? And then one of those things, it's like the stereo volume knob. There was about a four-year span where instead of a knob, there was a volume button. You cannot do better than a knob. The button is perpetually confusing. It doesn't feel, it's not tactile. It doesn't feel satisfying. You're never sure if it's going up or going down. Worst invention ever, and we've gotten back to the knob, I'm happy to say. So now here you are, you're growing up, your brother's got a car stereo. Yeah, oh, my brother had... you're making tips. Yeah. And you're playing football in high school. Yeah, yeah, listening to Marky Mark's good vibration and feeling inspired, you know, to get it cracking for the Peninsula Panthers freshman football team. And it's almost a given you're going to play football, right? Well, you know, it was our identity. You know, people always... 
people always say like, you know, oh man, fuck, that must have been rough, you know, your father pushing you like, like Marv fucking Marinovich and, you know, all this right. different stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, we, we talked to Todd Marinovich this week. It, yeah. it was never even really a, a question for me. I never felt pushed into anything. Football was our identity as a family, for better or worse, which is, you know, actually worse. Right. But, but that's who we were. You right. know, and it you're, was just kind of our culture. Every year there was a football season. And your your brother, oh, I'm going 7 Yeah, let's now. go seven ten to the 91. The 5 is fucked the whole way down. All right. Uh, your brother played? My older brother, Tasso, was actually like the big football prodigy in the family. I mean, this was literally, and I'm not kidding. I mean, this is a guy that could squat well over 500 pounds at the age of 15. Wow. I'm not kidding. I saw him do it. You know, the bar all bent under the weight. He's all wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. Towel under the neck. Right. Dudes around him yelling. Singlet on. <laughs> you know, weight belts. I'm not yeah. kidding. Flat I missed, top. I missed the weight belt. Bulging veins. I mean, you know, he you know, was you know, the, look, the look I miss is the cutoff shirt with the weight belt. That's like what he had that. That's a good look. Oh, yeah. He had the that big look. leather weight belt with a cutoff. And remember when bodybuilders would want to wear clothes, just giant clothes, as right. opposed to the smaller clothes right. that they yeah, like to yeah, wear that's now? that tiger stripe stuff. Yeah, like you in. could go to the firehouse on Venice and see a guy in like a quadruple extra large just because his traps were so big. With right. the, the neck opened up like he was dancing in fame. You know, bum equipment. Cut right. giant. Yeah, yeah, bum equipment was one right. of those. Yep. Yeah. Right. That, that's kind of what my older brother was. And it's a word he play. Well, he played at USC. Unfortunately, because, you know, he was squatting 600 pounds at the age of 17, he blew out both his knees, dislocated an ankle and a wrist, and had about, I don't know, I think he had about seven surgeries at USC. Uh-huh. He started a few games there. What position did he middle play? Middle backer. Oh. Oh, he was like 260, God. six foot 260. Wow. And he hit like a fucking wrecking ball. I mean, oh. he was a mother. But, uh, yeah, he blew his legs to pieces and his shoulders and his wrists and elbows. and I mean, everything went to hell for him. And now he's a Buddhist monk who walks around San Pedro taking photographs. Really? Yep. How's your dad feel about that? Not well. <laughs> no, he's, he's all right. My older brother's an artist now. Uh-huh. He's an artist. Uh-huh. Like Todd Marinovich, also an artist. Yeah. A lot of these guys turn to art. I turn to radio. Yeah, he's making sand candles. Yeah, um, let's go. <laughs> I love the guys that are so in love with the beach that it's like they can't, they, you can't have a conversation without them talking about the majesty of the open sea or explaining that your salt content, your blood is the same as that of the ocean. Like, it's like, oh, listen, there's nothing wrong with the beach. I like the beach too, but let's, it's not a, the problem with the beach is it, is it becomes a lifestyle and then you don't make money. Beach culture is burnout culture. I swear to God, I am going to write a thesis on, I don't know if it's the pollution in the bay, that briny water that just soaks the brain and turns it to mush, or I don't know if it's the fact that every time there's a swell, you can't go to work or go to college or go to class or whatever because you have to go out and hit the swell. But surfers, like they always talk about athletes, you know, being dumb. And there's that, you know, there's that, you know, sort of big black power forward guy who got pushed through you know, <laughs> high school and college and all that stuff. Who's like the archetype for dumb? The dumbest athletes on the in the world are the pro surfers. Oh yeah, without a doubt, because they have at least Shaquille O'Neal pretended to go to school. These guys never went. Well, half of them 
are from Hawaii, and God bless the state of Hawaii. We all love Hawaii. Oh, very greatest. smart people. Smart. Yeah, but smart. you know, I mean, if you want to be alone in Hawaii, go to the library. Oh, geez, Petrus, I can't. I once said. I mean, seriously. I mean, why would you? There's the beach right there. It's beautiful. Why would you go indoors? I agree. I said. I said a few things about Hawaii once, and I got into trouble a little bit. And the guy was arguing with me, and I said, "Close your eyes, and name all the great inventions that came from Hawaii." Well, that's when they started using the three fins on the surfboard, right? Uh, you got that one boat with the uh, with the little thing that balances the out that comes the out, out of one side. Yeah, the outrigger. Yeah, they got that. You got that. Uh, um, well, is I there mean, a no, volcano cap that somebody came well, up with, like a who, like a shower cap for volcanoes? Who who decided to make a coconut look like a monkey? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I love well, the state right of Hawaii. All I'm saying is, most surfers are from Hawaii. And, and what are you going to do? Are you going to surf and go out to the beautiful ocean where it's nice right. and, and the trade winds are caressing your body 24 hours a day? Or are you going to sit inside the library and study like somebody from, let's say, the state of Michigan would? Yeah. You're probably going to hit the beach. Now, it's like the smart chicks are from Minnesota and the dumb chicks are in Arizona. It's pretty pretty Just the way it works out. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing against the wonderful and regal people of Hawaii. No. There's that famous... You know, that famous story where Ringo Starr and his nose, you know, he went to go see Bob Dylan, and after the show, he saw him backstage and said, God, you know, I wish you would have done Tangled Up in Blue, and Bob's like, what are you talking about? We did like a 15-minute version of it. <laughs> wow. And, you know, I mean, there's just no way to understand what he's saying. I saw James Spader at the show, if that means anything. I was fat James Spader or thin James Spader? He was about, he was getting there. Blaine about six from years Pretty ago. in Pink. What do you think, what's the first movie you think of when you say James Spader? I think Spader? Uh, Clay's dead. Clay's forget dead. about him. You know, yeah. forget him. Julian's dead, Clay. Forget about him on Christmas Eve in the in the tub and Less, less than Zero with that floating phone. Uh, I, less He's than a Coke zero. dealer. I, underrated. Oh, the best. Whoa. Underrated. I like when the guys to really apply the break for no good reason. Right. Um. I love Pretty in Pink because they have that, they had those scene, they had that scene that they had in every 80s movie that never actually happened in real life. Because when I went to high school, there were hot chicks and not hot chicks. But there weren't poor chicks and rich chicks in terms of my, my junk. You know, like, I didn't care who you were or what side of the tracks you were from. I didn't know where you lived. I wasn't sure who was rich and who was poor and who was what. I did know that this chick was hot and that chick wasn't hot. But there was never a point where it's like, hey, man, that chick is hot. I want to ask her out. And then one of my buddies who was wearing the Italian loafers and no socks, (laughs) by the way, smoking a cigarette in the hall of the school, pulled me aside and was like, hey, sport. What are you doing with Sheila? I'm like, she's hot, man. Yeah, she's hot. But have you seen her dad's 401k? She's on the wrong side of the tracks. You get it? Now I don't want to see you with her. Like, I've been in, like, who the fuck? What are you talking about? She's got a fucking D cup and a yeah. tight ass. What are you? What? By, by the way. She, Less structured environment. Even better. Yeah, right. Before. Right. Even better. That's right. She, she's been molested by her stepdad. Right. She's looking. She's looking to act out. Her dad's I mean, an alky. Right. That was every no age. boundaries. That, that was also some kind of wonderful. That was the have and all the have exa- not. Yeah, all it the was same. Very Why? monetary. I, because the rally, there, there's two myths that I would love to dispel. A. Nobody knew who was rich and who wasn't rich, and no one gave a shit. There was good looking and there was ugly, and the good looking 
got the love and the ugly didn't. It was almost better if you were poor, right? Because then you were like a hard ass. It didn't. Like, if you didn't have money, it was like, yeah, he's not entitled. That guy's not rich. He's a hard ass. But like, I, I didn't know, and they never really even teach you, like, if, if some guy said, my dad's a lawyer, and some guy said, my dad's a fireman, I thought they got paid the same. Like, I didn't know what the fucking difference was. You know, as a kid, it was all that. You want to be a doctor. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be a fireman. You want to be a policeman. It's all that bullshit. But no one ever goes, here's what this pays. Well, you didn't have a guy like Blaine and pretty keeping <laughs> fucking inventory Smoking on what everybody exactly. Listen, sport. <laughs> Just establishing a caste system for his high school. Yeah. Now, He's like, listen, I, uh, I went ahead and pulled the tax records for her dad from the... <laughs> From the uh, 83, 84 year, and uh, yeah. And that drinks a bit too. You don't want any part of that. Hey, hanging with the trash, are you? Right. That now, was, now that they was had awesome. that moment in, the, in his father's study, right? Right. In, in, in Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. When, when like, they're smoking weed in the dad's study and Spader's got, like, that pink Oxford on. Right, and the white shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. What, what, the, what the fuck are you doing? What the, what the fuck is this? Think about, like, like, somehow you're mortgaging your future because you're <laughs> right. going to get a blowjob from a poor girl. She's <laughs> <laughs> just going to go off to college in four months, you right? remember, Do you remember who her dad was? Who played her dad? Oh, yeah. Um, what, what's his Henry saddest oldest, the Saddest oldest drunk actor on earth. Yeah. yeah. He, the, the greatest, he was in one of the greatest movie scenes of all time, which is in um, Red Dawn. Yes. He played the dad. Oh, it's, it is the best scene. He played the dad. Of talks about this all the time. dad, and it's like, at some point, they come up with this great plan of, let's go down to the gulag and, you know, the reconditioning camp that the Soviets have, you know, they have the double fence. Yeah, the chain link fence. And the German shepherds. And they're, they got it up on the drive-in and they're running the propaganda film and everything. And at some point, somebody goes, hey, let's go down and visit dad in, in, in the concentration camp, which I probably would have voted against if we were up in the hills. Well, and the most wanted group of individuals right. by the fucking Russian army. But, but... But he goes down, and he's like, Dad, and there's nothing better than Swayze crying, you know? Yeah. And, it's, and, and he's going, he, he's going, Dad. It's like a physical kind of weeping. It's yeah, like really, like, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's visceral. Yeah, and it's, Sheen it, can't control himself. I think it's his dance background that gives him that ability to really cry <laughs> using his body. He arches body, his back, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and he's, he's going, first his dad gives him the, oh, 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 well, the Swayze does the great one where the other kid's crying, where he goes, let it turn. Let it turn. Yep. Let it turn into something else. That was good. But then, you know, the dad making him promise you'll never, don't you ever. God damn it. I like it, by the way. I like when a guy's crying and swearing. Right. Saying, God damn you. God damn you, little motherfuckers. Don't you ever, ever let me see you cry again. Remember when you were little? I like, I like when they get halfway into it and then they cuss. Like when they go, I remember when you're both little boys and I was pushing you on the swing. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. But I taught you good. I taught you to hunt. I taught you to live. And if I, don't you ever cry. Don't you think of me a cry. And then, so it's like, they're up there under the cover of darkness. Right. They're sneaking into the gulag. Clandestine meeting. The fans. And, then, and then they go, now you get. And you turn and you don't look back. And they go. And then he, they get about two steps away and he starts screaming, avenge me. <laughs> That's right. See, I, at I, the top of his There must lungs. be a scene in the director's cut where Swayze runs back. He's like, old oh, man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> There's fucking Jesus Russians Christ, everywhere. What do you do, light off a flare? 
Shut up. <laughs> you know, that movie terrified me. Avenge I'm a little younger. Me. That movie terrified me to where I was looking to the sky at every recess. Sure. For freaking Russian and Cuban paratroopers. Could have Led by Ron O'Neill to come and kill us all. Fucking Ron And just, just open up a machine gun at the classroom and just leave one guy hanging looking through those weird opening windows you know like and they had on the that, wall that great actor with the huge arms who was in any which way but loose who played like the captain with the mustache <laughs> remember that actor absolutely was, was he always, in any which way you can too yeah, I he was in both he was of them always fighting yep. Clint Eastwood always like I'm sure right now even though they're not filming it those two are just duking it out somewhere <laughs> in their 80s <laughs> All right. that was an awful movie Let me, it made everybody feel terrible about themselves Red Dawn That clip from 2011, I have uh, watched Red Dawn with Adam multiple times. He knows I hate the movie. Uh, and there was one time where we were watching it so late at night that my eye, my eyelids were getting heavy and I was falling asleep and he would not let me. He refused. He kept waking me up. I can't sleep during Red Dawn. There's no sleeping during that movie if you're watching it with him. But we went uh, recently to Nashville and Adam did a TV show there and someone else on the panel was John Milius's daughter. And she came up to him and said oh, that wow. John, my dad, is a big fan. Um, and she's talking about her dad, John. And Adam was very delighted because John directed Red Dawn. Indeed. So there you go. Worlds collide. All right. It's full circle. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Red Dawn is a basic cable commentary. Uh, it's one of the, I think, seven that are officially released that you can purchase. It's a really hilarious time. Adam and Dave Damashek sitting down watching the movie. Yeah. Without Chris uh, ruining it. Without me ruining it. And you don't even have to watch the movie along to, to listen to it, because it's just, it's just funny hearing them talk about it. That, so, specifically the Red Dawn one, that one gets the least screen specific about halfway in. So out of <laughs> all of them, that's the one you least have to watch the movie with. All of them, you can kind of just listen to them on the fly, but... Paired with the movie, it's like you're sitting down with Adam Carolla and he's watching a movie with you in your living room, and you don't have to have that awkward thing where you pay him ten thousand dollars. Right. All right. Before we get going with the next clip, I want to remind everybody about Tommy John and, of course, scrotal distancing. That's right. Struggling to separate the guys from your thighs. Well, it's Paul time. Bryan found that very hilarious, by the way. Yeah, I know. He he was it was very delighted by that. Well, it's time it's time for him to check out Tommy John's hammock pouch underwear if he wants to get even more delighted. That's right. Tommy John's hammock pouch underwear makes you that much more comfortable. Just like anything, Tommy John, you do everything better when you're wearing it. All right, and they don't just have customers; they have fanatics, and one super fanatic, Giovanni. I can't contain it. <laughs> I love their lounge pants. I love their underwear. I love their undershirts. I don't buy anything else. And uh, I'm not ever going to ever buy anything else. You got you to gotta switch over, check it out, buy his gift somebody else, buy it for yourself. Whatever you got to do, get some Tommy John in your life. That's right. They got over 13 million pairs sold. So balls across America love Tommy John underwear because everything stays in place. No more flopping, sticking, chafing, any of that stuff. And we got a great deal for you right here. Tell them about it. And right now, you'll get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash classics. That's 20% off your first order of underwear and loungewear at TommyJohn.com slash classics. TommyJohn.com slash classics. See site for details. All right, let's get going with our next clip. This is from 2010, and it features Darren Bowsman. Uh, director of Saw 2, I think Saw 3, a bunch of uh, other entries in the franchise. Not all of them. Uh, Repo, a genetic opera. This weekend, Spiral from the Book of Saw, starring Chris Rock, a spin-off uh, sister film to Saw 
the same universe is coming out. So I thought I figured why not play some with Darren Bowsman and everybody get to hear him on uh, his very first time appearing on the show, Adam Carolla Show 308. We've previously played his uh, episode 788 and 912 where he returned to the show, but we've never played this first appearance. And here's a nice chunk of it. And this is from April of 2010. Check it out. is the uh, director of uh, Saw 2, Saw 3, and uh, Saw 4, and uh, also uh, has a few uh, attached to direct the remake of Scanners, which is a movie I remember from the 80s where people's heads blew up, maybe <laughs> 79, 80. Was Deborah Harry in that movie, or was that another movie I'm thinking of? Well, you know, I, I'll stop right there. I was attached. I just uh, recently... Uh, I, I you know, I wanted to do a remake at some point, so I had a Hellraiser, I had Scanners, and I opted to do a remake of Mother's Day, which I just finished. Ah. Yes. That how, was- do, how does one get into the horror genre of directing, and then what's different about the... I, well, wait a minute. You've heard these podcasts before, so you yeah. know how it works. I ask the questions, and then I answer them for the people <laughs> I ask the question to. But um, I do comedies, and, and, and when you do comedy whether it's a single-camera sitcom or whether it's an independent film, you have to kind of jump ahead a year and go, is this going to be funny if this happens? <laughs> it's not funny now yeah. because there's nothing happening now, but when we whack it together and get it from all different angles, is this going to be funny? And you must have to do that except for if you replace funny with scary. Yeah. You know, I think for a filmmaker uh, just starting off, to me at least, horror was the easiest thing to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I knew I wanted to come to L.A. and, and, and do movies, but uh, it wasn't that I necessarily said I want to do horror films. But then I realized it was the easiest thing to get into because, you know, if you look at the trend of horror movies now, they've become increasingly more violent and fucked up and crazy. And I think it's easier to disturb people than to make them laugh. And I'm kind of, you know, right. I'm kind of making fun of my own genre here, but it is it is kind of an easier thing to break into. And so uh, I wrote a, a script when I first got out here that was extremely... Uh, I, I tried to offend as many people as possible. Right. I, I originally tried the comedy game. I wasn't funny. I tried to write a dramatic script, and people laughed at it. Right. And then I, I said, you know what? Fuck everybody. And I wrote this crazy, offensive thing, and it ended up working. And uh, I think it was, in my mind, easier to offend people. Well, we all know that if you, especially if you shoot it correctly, if you if you take a number two pencil and you push it in a guy's <laughs> eardrum until it pops out the other side... Yeah it's going to elicit a reaction. There's just no two ways around it right. versus you could write something that you think is funny and people may laugh or they may choose not to laugh. But at least when I was watching, oh, I, I, I do remember, and I don't know why, um, I guess it was a Sam Raimi, Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead or one of those when they were right. in the cabin. One, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Yeah. The Evil Dead. Uh, I knew it had dead in it somewhere. At some point, somebody like took a number two pencil and jammed it into someone's Achilles heel. And that was my Achilles heel, ironically. Like, I was like, wow, I've seen a lot of heads get severed and I've seen a lot of guys blow up. But that hurt more because it was like a real world hurt. That's, I think to me, that's what freaks me out more. And, you know, when I started off making movies, I, I started off doing those gross, disgusting, like, you know, decapitations or whatever. But that became old. And then I started talking like fingernails getting ripped off. Now, that's something to me that disturbs me more yes. than, than ripping someone's head off or breaking a finger disturbs me more than breaking. I mean, you know, doing these horrible things because we can relate to that. Well, it, the, yes. If you 
in Phantasm, there's a chrome flying ball <laughs> that hits you in the forehead, and then a drill bit comes out and drains your skull of its contents. And it's really fun to watch, and it's funny to see the ball whiz around. But I don't go home that night looking around the corner, watching out for the chrome ball with the drill bit. The number two pencil in the Achilles heel, <laughs> heel is something my four-year-old could easily do to me. Yeah. So that is a much more real world. And it's true, this world of sort of decapitations and chrome balls with drill bits is all fun and well. But... Ultimately, you want the kind of stuff that could theoretically happen to one of us. When we were doing the Saw movies, um, one of the things that we, we did was, you know, we the whole basis of Saw is a guy builds these horrendous traps that will kill people. The production designer and myself made sure that every trap in the movie really worked, that it could really do what it did. And I think that, to me, the scariest movies are things that could really happen because uh, they are relatable. Now, is someone's rib cage going to be ripped open like in the Saw films? Probably not. But, you know, I think to me what scares me more than anything is things that really could happen. The, again, remember, there was a movie, Pet Cemetery. Sure. Uh, there was a, talking about the Achilles heel getting cut. There was a scene where, where the main character is standing by a bed and, and the kid cuts his, his, his heel. That's something that freaks me out more than, again, watching someone explode. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's what, why I love horror so much is it does – those things do, you know, resonate with you. In your next film, you should do this one because this is very real <laughs> and very horrific. When you're walking around your bed in the morning and it's cold because you just got up and the heat's not on yet and you're barefoot (laughs) and you kick that fucking galvanized steel angle iron that holds up your bed frame and your big toe just catches it just right and there's that fucking dust ruffle that hangs down (laughs) to obscure it. You ever catch your toe on that thing and it's like... I, uh, listen, a sword in the small of your back could not hurt any more than the pain you're feeling. <laughs> now, the sword would kill you or infection would set in. But for this fleeting 20, 25, 30 seconds, there's no way the human body could experience more pain than this. See, I don't believe that. I believe getting your head cut off is just as painful as me kicking my big toe into yeah. that cold steel. It's just one has a, a more negative lasting effect. I think one of the first most horrific moments of my life revolved around waking up in the middle of the night, uh, walking around the bed. I was, I don't know, sixth grade, something like that. I had a hamster that just died. Mm-hmm. And my parents would not trust me with a dog or a cat, so they bought me a hamster. And the hamster had just died. And uh, for whatever reason, the hamster cage was sitting on the ground of uh, the bed. And I had a water bed, which sits up higher than normal beds. Sure. This, is, this is the 80s. So water beds were hip and cool back sure. then. So in the middle of the night, I stand up. And I don't realize it, but I step into the hamster cage. And I take the next step. And as right. I take the next step, I break the hamster cage, which ends up breaking in my, uh, in my leg. And uh, it, it wasn't that I cut myself so bad, but I jumped back on the bed, and it was a water bed, so I'm moving around, sure. and the blood is, is going all over the bed. So I'm screaming. I mean, I'm screaming like a, like a, 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 a ch- I'm freaking out. My dad comes upstairs, and I'm rolling on this bed. You know, the bed's going back and forth, and the blood is going everywhere. So that was like, you know, looking at that, that was the, the nighttime stuff, waking up, walking around. That, that's Plus still the freak- stigma of your dad thinking you're fucking a hamster. <laughs> I mean, that's something your dad won't soon forget. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, and don't think he doesn't think that. And that's a lot of range, by the way, the waterbed and the hamster cage. I know, right? So c- close in proximity, because <laughs> normally those things are separated by 10 years. Yeah, no. Not, not, that was, not that was many guys that rock the hamster cage and the waterbed. Waterbed, world's worst fucking idea. Seemed like a great idea. Could you idea. still buy them right now if you wanted to? I mean, is there a place you can go and say, I, I want a waterbed in my I house? I think only in parts of Texas and Nevada. Like, I, <laughs> they surely have been outlawed in, in, in every other state. Because there's, 
Everyone has a horror story about a waterbed springing a leak on a, on a second floor of the apartment yeah. and flooding the apartment below it and filling it up. Waterbeds were the worst design ever because here's how most of them were designed. Most of them were nothing more than a big, thick rubber bladder, essentially a catheter that people could fuck on you know i mean i mean a uh a, I, was, I was gonna say a cat you know when you get hooked up with a catheter and you go into your your right. your bag that's essentially that's essentially what it was but what they would have to do like there was there you could go whole hog on the water bed and get the heater yeah, for the water yeah. bed and get like the stand and the riser and all that shit or you could do what most of the hippies did which is they just took two by 12 planks and they put them together with angle irons and they made a square, just a two by 12 square, and they set it on the ground. And then they would set the bladder inside of it to sort of, it was like yeah. a bra for your waterbed. It would sort of contain yeah. it so it didn't just sort of, so you wouldn't roll off the end. But then once the blankets and the quilts and everything went over it, every time you jumped in, you just bang your shin on yeah. the top of that two by twelve. There were many injuries that, that, that were a result and of drownings, that. And drownings, I'm sure, yeah, as well. I mean, so uh, it would be kind of fun to find out if you really... And could. fucking on one of those things was like playing handball against the drapes. Like, it was like literally impossible I, I was to in, do. I was in high school I and... I mean, you could fuck a hamster, don't get me wrong. And I did, that's where that's the injury what I'm saying. I was yeah. trying to disguise it and stepping in the cage. <laughs> the hamster died, yes, I understand, there was blood. We, uh, I was a senior in high school, and I still, I had the waterbed up until I left my house, so that would have been in the, I don't know, guess early 90s, uh... I played hooky one day, and I was there with my girlfriend, and my dad came home, and every, we both freaked out. And I was on the very top floor, and there was no way to exit where we were. And the one thing I'll say is there's no dramatic way to get off a waterbed. No matter how you do it, in a quick way, you look like yeah. an idiot. There's, it, no, right, there's no. no such thing as one of those Starsky and Hutch slide across <laughs> no. the hood and jump into their car. No. There's no shoulder roll from SWAT. No. You know, there's, getting off a waterbed is it, it, that... And there's no great way to get out. It's like it, the modern day equivalent to that is getting out of one of those inflatable jumpy castles in a hurry. Yeah. Like your wife gives you that. Yeah, Sonny fell down by the barbecue. Hold on. And then you do that thing where your feet do the romp, romp, romp. And a couple of two-year-olds go flying over your head. And then you fall on your face. And then yeah. you scramble. Like it takes 10 minutes well, and, to get off or out of one of those We have things. a reclining chair in our, in our screening room, and the best is when my wife and I will get in fights, she'll be completely reclined back. And there's no dramatic way to make like a dramatic exit when you get in a fight. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to hit the side of the thing and wait for the, uh, the, the, the chair part or the ottoman part to go down. Right. The waterbed falls in that same. You cannot make a dramatic exit or entrance onto a waterbed. This is why... The door will never go out of vogue. The slamming mm. of the car door, the slamming of the front door, you know, and it makes such a statement. Yeah, this would be like if the door was made out of Nerf material and the hinges didn't properly work and you were trying to punctuate your, God damn it, I won't stand for this. But you slammed it, but it just sort of slid back yeah. and didn't make a noise. Yeah, no good way to get out of a waterbed. 
And uh, again, that fucking frame around that waterbed is just—that's it, just the one a with shin crunch. I had the one with drawers too. I mean, you had to actually oh, you jump, had the, wow. uh, the, the, the drawers and the, the greatest part about the waterbed. The drawers was, were under it. The, dra- the drawers were under it, and on top of that, there was a cubby hole that you can actually crawl into. That, that so the, the whole bed had like a hollow point or a hollow thing going through the middle. So as a kid, I could crawl under it, but right. there were also drawers that opened up. So I, you know, you could store anything and hide in it and fuck a hamster all within the same you know wow. confines of the bed. So it's a it was, Swiss army knife of beds. It really is. It yeah, because really the drawers were only like two feet deep yeah. and two feet on the other side and that left you two feet running down the exactly. center of this thing. Exactly. Yes, as a builder I, I've, I, I'm good with visuals. I can understand how this thing was laid out. So, uh, right, back to horror movies. Yes, yeah, sorry. Now, I've there. said to many people that, you know, this seems, I don't understand why people make $60 million films about uh, a couple that was in love, but then the guy died in the 30s, but he's able to travel through <laughs> time now, and they meet in different centuries. Yeah. And it's not really comedy, and it's not a total love story, and there's a little sci-fi element to it. And you sort of watch the trailer, and you go, that's not going to attract the rom-com people, and that's not going to attract the... My wife doesn't want to see it, and I don't want to see it, and it's not enough right. for the sci-fi people. And you go, wow, there's $60 million bucks out the window. Like, where, where's this going? And then when you see these horror movies where, you know, it was a few million dollars to right. make, but you go, these guys are going to make their money back. Well, Why here, doesn't everyone make this? I mean, here's a perfect example. The, the first Saw, which which they made for $600,000. I came in on Saw 2, and I think we made that one for $2 million. But the first Saw cost 600000 to make, and I think as of, you know, last year, it grossed hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions. And they spent 600000 on it. Um, Saw 2 was made for a couple million, and I think we made, you know, $200 million worldwide. And I think that because – and I, I kind of relate the, the fascination with horror to riding roller coaster or driving really fast in a car. People will wait an hour to get online for a 30-second roller coaster to feel something they normally don't feel in their everyday lives. Right. Excitement. Uh, terror but in a confined controlled setting and i think that every day we 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 we, you know go through our lives and we have drama and we have laughs but to actually be scared terrified and disgusted in a safe environment and you don't need a lot of money to do that and i think that's the other thing i don't I, i think i mean look at paranormal activity that movie that just came out last year and made Again, hundreds of millions of dollars, and they spent thirty thousand dollars making that film. Yeah, I, I, I look at movies being made now for you get hundreds of millions of dollars. And what I, I, I to me, I can't comprehend that. Every movie that I've made has been under ten million dollars, and I think they work. And it's it's you don't need a lot of money to 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 make horror films work. And I think we're seeing that more and more. Well, what I, I would sort of argue that if you did need fifty million dollars, maybe you weren't doing something right. Like maybe the script isn't what wasn't what it should be. Another good thing about horror movies, which is quite different than action or romantic comedies, is you don't need familiar faces in them. As a matter of fact, you don't want familiar faces in them because it's almost a little bit distracting. And you know they're not going to rub out John Cusack in the first act. That's when you see the hot blonde who you've never seen before, and by the way, you'll never see again. <laughs> you think, well, she's expendable. No, she's I, like that new, you know, crew member of Star Trek. Like, who's this dude? That, that's why, a guy he could buy. I think that's why Blair Witch and movies like that work so much. Is you look at Blair Witch and you didn't have any baggage with any of the actors in it. Uh, and I right. think that those are the movies that, in my mind, work the best to for me to be scared at when they have no baggage. Yeah, well, it's like when you're sitting there and you're looking at, like, uh, Renee Zellweger and you're like, I wonder if Kenny Chesney's gay. <laughs> I 
wonder if he ever sucked a dude's dick in front of her. <laughs> I don't know. And then you get back into the story for a while, exactly. and then you go back. Was what was that whole marriage about? Was that a sham? Did she go to one of his concerts and dig his music? What the fuck? And then you go back into the movie again. Yeah, it's so much better with unfamiliar faces. Now, if you're watching a comedy and that's Will Ferrell doing his thing, then you go, okay, that's Will Ferrell doing his thing. That's that's different. But um, I I agree, it can be distracting. Um, so my question, as I as I think about these uh, these horror movies, what is an example of a horror movie that was really really good and never really got any traction? Like the one that got away, people never did see this one, but it turns out it was really good. Yeah, that's uh, you know because other genres. Here, here yeah. I'm going to answer your question with Please. other genres. <laughs> There, if you talk to movie critics, they would give you 200 films that were great that nobody saw yeah. in other genres. You know, sometimes it's out of a different country, right. not necessarily subtitled, but it's out of a different country. Every year, there's some critics darling that everyone loves, but nobody really sees. Do you know what people do? But in the horror genre, I don't, I don't know that that exists. Well, but you tell me. I, I'll tell you what. One of the biggest things that I've had happen to me, and I think this happens to a lot of, of, of filmmakers in this genre. Um, is that it's easy to write off the horror genre. Critics can easily come in and say, you know what, what you're doing is you're furthering violence, you're you know, corrupting kids, you're doing this thing. So it's easy to write it off. It's easy to, to condemn these type of movies. Same thing with critics. Is It's easy for a critic to walk in and say, you know what, there's nothing redeeming about this movie. And it gets panned. You go to your Rotten Tomatoes score and you see it's getting panned by you right. know, tons and tons of critics. I, uh, I did a, uh, an interview once after one of the Saw films, and I was attacked. I was completely attacked about how gratuitously violent the movie was. And I mean, it was, I mean, I was basically raped. And they were saying, how dare you sacrifice story and character for violence, and you're furthering violence. And let me say something. The tagline of Saw is, oh, yes, there will be blood. You have severed fingers on a fucking poster, and they're worrying about character. It's not, oh, yes, there's going to be character development. It's, oh, yes, there will be blood. So fuck you for coming in and trying to say, you know, you're, you're furthering the violence. And I think that's, it's easy for people to write films off because of that. Um, and uh, so- well, I, yeah, a couple things I got to say about that. Um, one is, it, it's like going to Derwiner Schnitzel and critiquing a hot dog. It's like, <laughs> look, sorry, I had to compare you to that. I'll, 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 I'm going to upgrade. Sorry is the Wiener Schnitzel I'll, of the I'm going to upgrade you to Del Taco and okay, say this is you. not fine thank Mexican you. cuisine. It's not supposed to be. It's yeah. what it is. It's good for what it is, and there's nobody who walks into that joint and goes, I'm going to uh, enjoy some fine uh, European food or some fine Mexican cuisine. No, I got a hankering for this. As a matter of fact, it, it should be that. I, it, it needs to be that. Right. Like a, a Big Mac doesn't need to be a great hamburger. It needs to be a Big Mac. Right. Because that's what it tastes like. That's what I want. That's what the public wants, you know. And to sit around and compare that to boutique hamburger joints yeah. is, is completely and utterly insane. The, the the question you know uh, you know critically would be is it as good as other saw movies right. how does it compare to hostel or other movies right. of its ilk and of its era but not is it jaws or the shining well that's you know that's i think that's one of the questions if you look back in the in the 70s 
in the 70s and 80s, you had very mainstream horror films. You did have The Shining. You had Exorcist. You had Omen. Most people you, you mentioned those movies to, they know them and they embrace them. I mean, you have Shining with Jack Nicholson. Most people know Shining. But to go in and say Hostel or to go in and say Midnight Meat Train, it starts, it starts dropping off. People don't know them as much anymore. And I think it's, I think it's kind of terrible because some, I've seen some amazing performances in horror films. Amazing performances, but again, mainstream people a lot of the time brush over them because we're glorifying violence. And, you know, one of the things I have to ask you about, because I, I really am curious, and I know you've talked about it in the past, but one of the hardest things as a filmmaker right now doing a horror film is dealing with the MPAA. I don't know how many times I've had to deal with either the X or the NC-17 right. rating and having to go through and cut shit out over and over again to get that R rating. And uh, my wife and I watched Hammer a, a month or so ago, and I, I could okay. not believe, I could not fucking believe that you got the same rating that I would do for for ripping out innards and breaking things and doing whatever. Uh I mean, how do you feel that the, that the rating system would rate a Saw film or a Hostel film in the same way that the Hammer, which, which has none of that, still gets rated? Well, uh, there's, there's a kind of amusing part of it, which is obviously I have no power over it, and I'm just an atheist living in a crazed world with religious nutjobs right. and you know uh, dogma and rules that I can't even begin to explain. And I get into this constantly... Which is, uh, if a hundred people saw the hammer and you asked a hundred of them what they thought it should be rated and none of them said R, then you guys have failed fucking miserably in right. your job of rating films. Right. Because now, if we were live 50 years ago and this movie came out, well, then maybe it would get an R rating. But your job is the MPAA is to watch this stuff and, and be the eyes and ears of the public. What you want to do is tip people off and go, hey, you have kids. This is inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you right. think about it, the MPAA is no different than the FDA or any other group that's supposed to kind of be in charge of our safety in, in a sense. Right. I don't want... You know, I don't want a movie to say, I don't want a Saw movie to be rated G and have me stumble in there with my twins and then permanently scar them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking to temporarily scar my kids. So, obviously, you've done a fucking piss poor job at your job of determining what is suitable for the public. Um, so, n number one, mission not accomplished. Number two, the thing that's funny about my movie, The Hammer, is... Once it comes out with an R rating, then they have to expo they have to justify the R rating because yeah. they can't just when it comes on HBO they can't just go R rating and then show a picture of me holding my hands up going I don't know <laughs> or big question mark right. so they have to do violence which is insane it's an amateur boxing movie right. it's amateur it's Olympic boxing they have it on the Olympics so there's no violence right. in the movie then they have to do adult situations. I got people having conversations tampon about their future. In the coffee filter. I mean, is that is? That I don't it? know what the adult situation. And then there's like language. There's uh, there's a shit and a fuck and whatever. So the funniest part of the whole thing is them justifying their right. fucking R rating, which is insane. And then every human being who sees the movie goes, but "Why was it rated R?" You look at you look at Dark Knight, the the, the, the new Batman movie that came out. That was PG thirteen, and that is violent. I mean, they're killing people, they're breaking people, they're cussing, they're dr I mean, it's everything, and that gets a PG thirteen. Uh, well, part of it is a scam, and part of it has to do with the big movie companies. If, if this was a big 
big movie right. release. There's no fucking way it would ever get an R rating. So right. part of it, part of it is just a scam. I mean, part of it has to do with money and big companies and and them appeasing those companies and so on and so forth. So. Uh, the little guy will get screwed a little. I would love somebody from the MPAA to come in and explain to me why my movie had an R rating, but they're cowards and pussies and hypocrites, and they would never, ever do that. And then I really, I feel like I have a lawsuit against them. Like, I, here's how the world should work in my mind. Look, here's the deal. I feel like you hurt my business a little bit with your R rating. It should have got a PG and not even a PG-13. Violence for amateur boxing with headgear? That's insane. It's on television every day. And like I said, you can watch it on the Olympics on Saturday mornings with your kids. So obviously, it's not violent. It's a sport where there's boxing, where there's fisticuffs. So... I would love to do something where they just showed a uh, hundred people the movie. Whatever they came out with is whatever they came out with, and I would win the case based on ninety nine percent of the people not saying it was an R movie. But these arguments continue, which is I just shot a TV pilot. And you can't show people smoking, for instance, on network TV. Uh, you can show them holding a cigarette uh, if the cigarette is lit. You can say something, if you, you can light the cigarette, but you can't bring it to your mouth. You can hold it and have it lit, but you can't bring it to your mouth. And then it's like, my whole feeling with all this stuff is, do people smoke? Like, are there smokers on the planet? If yes. the answer is yes, then are we not allowed to show a person who smokes as a person who, this is one of the people who smokes on a construction site? Like, why... Are you saying they don't exist? Because you do all these fucking NCI things. It's like, we got a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. Okay, you got a killer on the loose because there are such things as serial killers. I would argue there's more smokers, thankfully, than serial killers. Yeah. But you can't have a guy holding a cigarette. Not He doesn't take a drag off it and go, oh, that rich refreshment. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel like I'm on a mountain stream. No, he just fucking, he's, he looks like a piece of shit, but he's smoking, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Why can't you do that? It's It's... Utterly insane. Well, CSI. This is what makes me. This is what makes me mad. I mean, is that is that you you look at something like CSI, our, our Law and Order SVU. SVU is about the majority of times rapes, uh, childs being being abducted, sure. all of these things. Sure. And this is on TV that anyone can watch. Anyone can watch. You're looking at CSI. What they're doing in CSI now, I got the R rating for and saw too. And it's it's funny sure. how the rating continually changes. But th- there was a scene in one of our Saw movies where someone uh, is having a. A cranial surgery, and, you, and we, mm-hmm. we take the top of the head off, and you see, and that was, oh, the MPA can't do that, you can't do that. Let's right. talk to this year right now on CSI. That's exactly what they're doing, and that's on TV that anyone can see. Your twins can turn on the TV and see CSI and see that shit, and that's... Well, listen, the, the worst, I turned on the TV yesterday, uh, let's be honest, uh, because I'm, I'm probably not going to get put in a dungeon and have the uh, cranial saw come out, but... The most offensive thing is The Biggest Loser. I saw the dude that formerly weighed 625 pounds and who is now down to a scant 311 pounds standing on the scale with a shirt off, and he had (laughs) D-cups. Fucking full-blown D-cups just standing there. And I don't watch The Biggest Loser. That's in the commercial. So you're just sitting there watching Entertainment Tonight, and all of a sudden, boom, Huge man boobs fill up the entire screen. And it's like, uh, hello, look, either something is visually 
offensive or it's not. That offends me more than the cigarette smoking. That yeah, it's of a- course. And, and by the way, from a health standpoint, you'd be better off. Your kid would be better off smoking than becoming morbidly obese. So exactly. what's your fucking argument? Uh, it's it's. It's maddening. It's insane. You have to just uh, sort of be zen about things and just go, fuck it. And uh, like I said, people ask, like, I had something to do with it. Why was your movie rated R? Yeah, it's... And it's like, I have zero... I would it made bet- me mad, though. I gotta say, it made me mad just knowing what's out there now in rated R and then seeing that, which could show on TV and I would see no problem with whatsoever. Could show on network TV and see no problem with it. So that's... I, had to I, I would, I would uh, venture to say that in the last 10 years, I don't know a movie that got an R rating that would be any softer or family, more family oriented than my movie. I don't, yeah. I don't it seems mathematically impossible, but uh, my uh, string of bad luck continues. Thank you for seeing it, though. Of course. I, I, I appreciate it. that. And that was Darren Bowsman on The Adam Carolla Show, his first appearance. He's gone on to appear multiple times. And something that I always love whenever he comes in is just that you don't expect him to be able to roll with the comedy because he's, he's a horror director. But, man, he, he has chops. He's a fan. He knows what he's talking about. He knows his genre of filmmaking. Uh, he's good at everything. Yeah. So he, he's really sharp and a great conversation. And I'm going to see Spiral tonight. There you go. See? All right. Before we get going with the next clip... Got to tell you about Blinds Galore. That's right. For over 20 years, BlindsGalore.com has made it easy for you to get the custom blinds, shades, shutters, and drapery that you've always wanted in your home. It's a family-owned and run business that's known for high-quality products and delivering the custom look that you're searching for. All right, Adam and and Dr. Drew, I've, I've been in both of their houses, and they have these custom blinds on their windows. It's it's incredible, and they, they did it with BlindsGlore.com, and they look sharp. It makes their house look real nice, and you can order up to 15 free samples to get started or use their online builder to watch your shades come to life on screen. All right, BlindsGlore does one thing, and they do it better than anyone. They create 100% custom window treatments built to your exact measurements down to the eighth of an inch. They're perfect, and whether you need more privacy or to sleep in, to cool down, whatever you want, Blinds Galore has exactly what you're looking for. So get the designer blinds and shades you've always wanted without the designer price at BlindsGalore.com. That's BlindsGalore.com, and let them know that Adam sent you. All right, let's get going with our next clip. This is from 2009. Uh, we've been playing clips where Teresa and Brian hang in for the Adam Carolla podcast. Well, this one is no different, but Doug Benson joins them. Adam Carolla Show 216, Doug Benson, a very uh, regular staple of the morning show and the early podcast, Teresa Strasser and Brian Bishop, December of 2009. It's a very short episode that was recorded right before Super Dave. Uh, was not a two-parter. They were done separately. So this is basically the full episode minus the opening and closing credits. Check it out. Get it on. Welcome, Bald Brian, Teresa Strasser, and Douglas Benson. Woo! It's like so you formal. got into trouble. Doug Benson <laughs> in studio. We're going to do uh, the news. Uh, I hear you're on the mend, uh, Bald Brian. Oh, me? Things are coming along. My doctors are happy with my uh, my clinical progress, uh, meaning my walking, my talking, my mm-hmm. uh, use of my left side. They're all very pleased with uh, my progress. So Your voice sounds much better. Yeah, it's coming along. Not slurring quite so much. 
Um, you, uh, I know that we got you almost, and I say we, I mean you all who are listening and being very generous, got you almost $30,000 worth of donations. Just well, for the podcast. It wasn't really even donations, just for the podcast. I don't mean donations. You purchased the podcast at a buck ninety nine a pop, and we got almost $30,000 That's in so awesome. I want to thank everyone who downloaded it. And uh, thanks for all the donations. And what did we get from the door of the event? I'm going to find out today at noon. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> this is insane to me that you don't know three weeks. I have no hence. idea. Three weeks on, you have no idea what came from the door. No. Why? I, I last time I had a guess. But but here's the thing. I would have printed the seating chart. I would have put a dollar for every one hundred dollar ticket. I would have put a three for every three hundred dollar ticket, and I put a J for every non paying. <laughs> right oh wait a second! Please don't tell me that's for. No, that's no. For Jehovah's Witness, yeah, right? right? Okay. Just let him in. Just <laughs> let in. Yes, okay. yeah. No, what? Anyway, an X. Right. What? Thinking of the black folks. Oh. No, an X <laughs> for every comp ticket. And then I would have quickly added up the $100, the $300 tickets, and then deducted, you know, I don't know, 10 seats for just for the hell of it. So I didn't get my hood. And then I would have come up with a number. That's yeah. so smart. Have you not done that? Yeah. No. Seems like Christy it's would insane have done it. to me that I mean your your best year right uh, thus far is about thirty k right. How dare you? Wait a second. Last <laughs> year he won Millionaire, making oh, his best right. year one hundred and thirty yeah. minus game shows oh. and lotteries. Your best, your best year. Best and worst. Your best year. Hey, Doug Benson's is here. How about that? <laughs> Over the last ten years, what have you averaged? High twenties. Oh, last ten that years. Throw out the Over the last ten years, you've averaged uh, five years. Sure, uh, uh, thirty-five. You've averaged thirty-five over the last five years, uh, minus the who wants to be a millionaire money. Uh, yes, maybe forty, but yeah, thirty-five, forty. Forty? Uh, yeah, I had a good job for the radio show. Oh, wait a second, that was before you hired him <laughs> to what work at your radio <laughs> show. Dip. But here's my point. Uh, I, I think you might get 140, 150k from the door. I'm just saying you're not a rich man, right? I would. I'm not a rich man, or I am a rich man. I'd still be going insane. Like I'd, I'd want to know how much. You've never done the math. You didn't I, do the I, math. On I it? did start doing the math, but the reason I didn't finish the math is because there are like we have to pay for the venue fee and pay a certain number right. of vendors. So oh, money goes so out. I don't know what those. We don't know what that's all going to be. Okay. I kind of loosely did the math in my head, right? I'm sure you right. did the same. Right, thing. but so. But why hasn't the uh, saint that ran the whole thing, Deborah, shot you uh, just an email that says, eh, ballparking about 100 grand? Uh, Deborah um, does actual real uh, fundraising for other organizations, such as the Fred Hutchison Cancer Institute. And that event was on Friday. Fuck them, <laughs> I want to know how much money you Who made. Fred Hutchinson? And some guy. Some guy with cancer. Yeah, All right. right. Well, anyway, so the point is, well, you I don't know. know. I should know today. I will say this. I, do you ever hear those things about people where you you go, "I'm envious of that person and I hate that person"? Yeah. This is one of those situations. I like, I wish I could do that. I yeah. wish I could be yeah. like you. On the other hand, I want to punch you. Right. Okay. Everyone had fun. That's important. I got D- a question, Adam. Doug Benson. Yes. Do you know the day? Do you, can you remember the day that you reached millionaire status? Um, I I remember the. I remember uh, the time, that, the year that I made over a million dollars because I said to my grandparents, uh, and by the way, suck it. Between, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
between this endeavor and uh, a huge tax uh, bill I have to pay uh, in about uh, two weeks, I'm, uh, I've dropped out of my millionaire state. I mean, I guess I could liquidate myself, right. but I definitely don't have any money right now. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I said to my... I was a carpenter my whole life, and I was like a ditch digger and a boxing instructor, and I was like, I'm going to have to borrow... I built my grandma's kitchen, and we would haggle over $10 this way and $10 that way, and my, my whole family's extremely poor, and none of them have cable. And at a certain point, I got on the radio, and I got on television, and I don't think my family had any idea what was going on with me, certainly not financially. They didn't... They, they're not what you call fans. I, I always describe them as... Uh, I'm like a team that they don't root for. They're aware of me. They're out there. Once in a while, they might perk up when that team plays their team, but they don't really, they're not really, they don't know who's on my roster. They don't know who the kicker is on my team. Your team playing their team is when you're on Leno. Right. Exactly. On Dancing with the Stars. On Dancing with the Stars, that's me being on yeah, a little of that, yeah, right? That's but when even you see that. the Clippers because they're playing the Lakers yeah, at Staplesen. Right. Even then, they might catch just the part of the third quarter. But the right. point is, they're not fans. So they don't really know what's going on. And I realized about two or three or four years into my show business career that I don't think anyone knew what, you know, I, if you would have asked my dad th- two years into the man show what I was making, he would have said 80 grand a year or something like that. He, he had no idea of anything. So at a certain point, I said to my grandparents, who had no cable and no radio and had no idea what was going on, I said, you know, I am making some pretty good money right now. And they said, uh, T, you're going to identify with this. And I don't know what the fuck it is with parents and grandparents and what the fuck's wrong with everyone. (laughs) But I said, you know, I'm I'm making pretty good money right now. And they said, like, really? Like, good money? And I said, yeah, like, like some pretty good money. And they said... A million dollars? Like, are you making a million dollars a year? And I said, uh, no. At that time, I'd made like six seventy-five or something. And I said, not quite a million. And they kind of went, hey, that's nice, but tell me when you get to a million, then we'll talk kind of vibe. And the following year, I made, I don't know, $1.2 million. And I said to my grandfather, who's uh, very Jewish, I said, you know what, Grandpa? Remember last year we spoke? And this year, I made... A million dollars. And he paused and he said, money doesn't buy happiness. <laughs> and I thought, you old Jew. God uh, damn it. You people do not disappoint, do no, you? No, you know what? A tip of the yarmulke for uh, that. Because <laughs> God forbid you have your one Just moment. Just give me fucking two fucking minutes, you old man, to feel good about my shit. Would you please? Can't fucking have just 30 seconds of feeling satisfied. Like, not one fucking, wow, can you believe it? You were digging ditches a few years ago. Or, man, when you you added on this grandma's, you added on our kitchen. I think we paid you $10 an hour. This must be awesome. Nope, just uh, don't buy you happiness. Yeah. And here's the thing, what the ironic thing. It would buy me happiness if you would tell me how fucking proud you were. Right, exactly. The reason it's not buying me happiness because you're giving me the fucking stink eye, old man. Right. It's not the actual money. It's the pride in earning it that you would reflect. So ironic that if he would have hugged me and said, wow, you barely graduated high school. You don't have an ounce of college under your belt. Your reading is so, so. I remember when you were floating around wanting to be an ambulance driver. Oh, my God. Cleaning carpets. And now a million dollars a year. Who would have thunk it? The first Corolla to make a million. Nope. Just don't buy you happiness. And I would have been happy if he would have fucking said that. Maybe that's what he meant. I'm not going to lend you happiness. Right. Exactly. I will not leave it to you. Oh, good luck in hell. 
Where were we? Well, ah, money, the news? Yeah. Money um, didn't buy Tiger Woods happiness, Adam. Uh. <laughs> now, how long did Tiger you think? Did you ever think in your mind, when is Dr. Drew going to speak out on Tiger Woods and what seems to be a sex addiction? Because oh. I think there are somewhere around 10 women as of now. By the time you hear this in your earbuds, it could be more women. But I, so far, there are 10. Well, I keep... The, the real, like I said, the real damage that this is... You know, you know like when people... You know, like when Mackenzie Phillips goes on Oprah and she talks about getting raped and she's like, I just hope it can open dialogue right. for other people. And they're like, why are you talking about it? Why now? Aren't you just trying to sell books? No, I'm hoping I want to get it out in the light and have other people discuss it. This is what Tiger Woods is doing, except for in a bad way for guys in relationships, because I keep having these discussions where I'm like, you can't really count that floozy. He probably just nailed her a couple times on the road. That's not one of his girls. And then my wife's like, well, what do you mean that doesn't count? I'm just saying, you traveling and banging a couple floozies that you saw at the, you know, in the lobby of the fucking of the uh, hotel, that doesn't count. And what do you mean it doesn't count? I'm like, well, if you're going to count those. If and you're all Tiger Woods. Yeah, if you're Tiger, what do you mean if you and it's like this whole, like, well, if you marry Tiger Woods, you got to know. What do you mean you have to know? <laughs> a lot of bad conversations that are coming out. Well, Dr. Drew had a conversation with CBS, and he said, you've got to wonder about addiction. That's the process that has people doing things that don't make sense. Now, when does infidelity cross over into sex addiction? According to Dr. Drew, I wouldn't be surprised if we find out there's a chemical addiction as well. Sometimes these sexual compulsions come out as part of an overall addictive process to a chemical. Mm. So he thinks there is a way out of this. I think Tiger's super into fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, off. hooking up with hot ladies everywhere. His name's Tiger. You have to suspect <laughs> he's going right. to bang just a few yeah. fucking golf groupies. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so what he's... now now. He's all over the map. He's got porn stars, waitresses, and club uh, VIP hostesses. Yeah. So he likes all kinds. He casts a broad net. It's yeah. so funny, too, because his name, his profession, his race, it all just, everybody can make a million awesome jokes about this situation. You know, it's like, Go. I, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't do them, you know, like my joke was, uh, you know, Tiger's in a lot of trouble, but golf is still boring. You know, like that's, that's all, you know, but there's so many like ref, golf references you can use, you know, the 18th hole, what have you. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, uh, I mean, obviously also I, I, I had this argument and uh, again, I'm going to, put my foot in my mouth here, but I had this argument with, um, I, I think it was like Lawrence Fishburne's uh, publicist or something. I was hoping it was just Lawrence Another Fishburne. one of those Lawrence Fishburne. Is that the bookings that Mike August is getting you these days? Yeah. Well, I can't get you Fishburne. I was waiting for Fishburne and in the, and I was, I was trying to have that, ex, I was trying to have that conversation where I said, look, um, here's how society works. Like, uh, she was disgusted. You know, a lot of women look at Tiger Woods as if this guy can cheat on his young, beautiful wife, if this squeaky clean golfer, for the love of Christ, can, he's not an NBA baller, if he, can, if, he, if he can cheat on his wife, then everyone can. And I was explaining that most guys, given the opportunity that's presented like that, teed up like that, will cheat. Now, you don't have to worry about that because your man works in the accounting firm of or works at the so at the mill or works wherever and hot chicks will not be throwing 
And so what Tiger Woods is doing is sort of an anomaly because you're not. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, just as bad. I disagree, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept saying, look, it's like this. Most people are honest and most people aren't thieves. No one we know would rob a liquor store. But if you found a wallet (laughs) with money in it and you kept finding wallets with money in it, now you have a little more moral dilemma. Now it takes a very strong, uh, devout person to say, I'm going to put an ad in the newspaper saying, I found a wallet. I won't say how much money was in it. I'll let the people respond. Versus, well, this is just found yeah. money at right. this when point. Right. When he sees a lingerie model, you know, at a in the VIP area of a club, it's basically like a suitcase full of unmarked bills. I would take it a step further. They come to yeah, you. Yeah, they throw themselves at him. Yeah, I don't think he hangs out in strip clubs because that probably would have been a story already. Right. With, with, with the celebrity obsessed news. not strip clubs. You, you, well, you they're know. all waitresses, a lot of them, right? So it's probably just a bar. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one thing not to go out and troll for Poontang. It's another thing to shun it. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you literally have to say, take your hot 23-year-old spray-tanned ass and hit the bricks. But to be juggling this many women... The and bricks be my crush. <laughs> right. Well, if they all think like they, if they think that there aren't the other women, then that's uh, that's another. Mm. Also, if you story. think about it, it's all about traveling. You know, I mean, this guy is all over the world Turn all the time, yeah. and none of them can travel with him. Right. Because if they travel with him, then what the fuck is this floozy doing with right. Tiger Woods? So you almost it's. Uh, you know, it's 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 like uh, when the airlines. It's like me in in box box cutters. I see. You have them. Well, I you can't every carry them on planes <laughs> right. anymore. I thus have to have one kept in Mississippi right. and one in North Carolina and one in New York City and, and one in Canada. There aren't other box cutters. I can't bring them back with me. Who so is a fool? Then I have I have nail clippers and box cutters <laughs> spread out all over the. <laughs> one of my favorite stories was the year after nine eleven. Uh, in that year, they, the airports confiscated like 200,000 box cutters. Like, like, first off, is there any scenario that you need to travel with a box cutter, number one? Like, what are you doing? What are you going to Oklahoma for? I'm opening a parcel. And then what? Coming right back. Like, what the fuck? Number one. But number two, really? The year after, 200,000 of those things confiscated. Or didn't get out. Well, over the weekend, the latest two ladies... Uh, or have been named by tabloids. One is Holly Sampson. She's a 36-year-old porn star. Perhaps you've seen her in OMG Stop Tickling Me or Fl- Flying Solo 2. I am glad. See, see, see this, is, this is why it's nice that the it, porn titles are not ambiguous for the most part because Flying Solo 2, I know I'm not interested. And like where the boys aren't, I'm not interested. I want to see some screwing. You, right. you know what I'm saying? Sure. I don't want to get... Suck. Stop if they, tickling me. If they, if they called it just erogenous or something, you might rent it and then realize it was just a chick diddling herself yeah, in the right. bathtub the whole time. Me and my mirror part six. Right. <laughs> me and my mirror. Oh, uh, boy. This is... Uh, oh, you know what? I have a little audio today for Tiger. Um, take, take a listen. This is just something fun that uh, your friend, sports guy Bill Simmons, sent out a little tweet about. Mm-hmm. And I found it amusing. All it's right. kind of stupid. But here it is from uh, YouTube. It's a slow jam set to Tiger Woods' voicemail that he allegedly left his lady friend. <laughs> oh, sad. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. I'm 
to go out to eat and uh, just never stop, stop heaving. There you have it, Tiger oh. Slow Jam Voicemail Remix. Yeah. All right. Let's just try to study this <laughs> like uh, human beings for a second. Okay. First off, how fast has all this sped up in the last two to three years? I mean, it used, I mean, there was the whole Bill Clinton, sort of Monica Lewinsky stuff. And, you know, he's the president of the United States. But now it is on. I mean, the not only are the are not only do we get to hear the mistress come forward. By the way, the fucking is there no Geneva Convention for mistresses? Like, okay, come forward, go on, Larry King, get your book deal, get your money from the Inquirer, get your hush money, get whatever you need. But you can't play the recording of the guy saying. Don't say anything about this, which is really such a twisting of the of the salty mistress knife. Uh, but number two, for, for Tiger Woods, I don't think anyone really liked the guy. I think the guy was considered kind of a stiff, and and I, I wouldn't call him a jerk. I mean, he was adored for what he did on the links, but from a personal standpoint, no one's really rooting for him. Like no one thought, oh, he's a great guy. He always seemed like kind of a stiff to me, but and, and a little uptight, and, and also kind of a bit, a li- like seemed like a little bit of an ass, just a yeah, little bit. Yeah, there were another couple golfers you root for more whose names escape me now, but like Phil Nicholson. Yeah, right. He had a little more Lefty. personality, yeah. and maybe that one guy who battled alcoholism and came Ooh, back. John Daly. Thank you. He seemed like kind of a perfectionist and kind of a hard driving ass. But the point is this: I'm not rooting for the guy, but we're now at the point. Where we're reveling in his embarrassment, not in what he did wrong, but the fact that he got caught and it's fun to vicariously see how busted he is. Well, I think it's fascinating like it is to watch Dr. Drew's show just to get a window into someone's world who somebody who you think has everything. Then you find out even when his wife was pregnant and had a young baby, he was, you know, reportedly out. They do the even while the wife is pregnant. Pregnant? Yeah. I think I would make. I could make an argument that for the even while his wife. Yeah, sorry, T. I know you're just that coming off on one of those, but 
Now it's all now it's news that what every step of what's happening with him it's investigative journalism well, I, and it's I, just like it's that crazy. used you used to have to say the word gossip before talking about any right. of this kind of stuff right. and now it's just flat out this is the news ladies and, and gentlemen well also it's so yeah I mean it's it's insane when you see these I, I mean if it's not that it's you know Levi Johnston is he showing his pecker. On the on Playgirl, right. and it's like we've got. I mean, we've gone TMZ. Every channel has essentially become TMZ now. Not full fledged, but they've certainly had an infusion of TMZ and right. our culture. And we've just gone berserk uh, between the you know Perez Hiltons and the TMZ. This has become the news now. But I'm just saying, there's a weird. You know, Schadenfreude, uh, voyeuristic. It's we don't really care. I mean, first off, he, a professional athlete is fucking someone other than his own wife. Stop the presses. Right. No, we're enjoying it on a purely voyeuristic kind of fuck him. Isn't it nice to see a guy who seemingly has everything be dragged through the mud? We're enjoying his humiliation. There's a bit of Schadenfreude, but also in this case, I think there's something mysterious. I mean, he's it's you know he's out he's leaving his house at three a.m. The wife hits the back of the car yeah, with the golf ball. I, I still think it all funnels back to he's busted and I'm not busted, and it's that thing we all have as human beings. I mean. Somebody gets pulled over by the side of the road for what, you know, I, I, I appears to be nothing. Just some chick in a beige minivan. You know, she did a California rolling stop. There are four ways up. She's getting a ticket and everyone is slowing down and craning their head and looking. And they're not looking for anything. They can see it's a fucking Odyssey minivan. They can see it's a chick standing there. They see a motorcycle cop. We know we don't have the North Hollywood bank robbers having a fucking shootout. We're just looking like, hey, baby, I guess, what is that, 180 $200? Isn't your day ruined? It's kind of sad. I think we're going that way, and I think we're going that way hard and fast, and I think we've always been that way, but we hit it. Like, we went like, why should I care what Tiger Woods is up to? Or I wish him well. Or that's none of my business. Or that's between right. him and his wife. And now it's just fuck him. Game on. Well, maybe we didn't have the technology to satisfy our innate curiosity like we do now. I mean, one of these gals says she has a frontal nude of Tiger. She has a playgirl has said that they are right now trying to authenticate the photo before they purchase it. The crack team of gay guys. <laughs> How do they authenticate? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's their day's work. It is just crazy. They got a jeweler's loop. They're looking at Tiger's junk. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ. I'm just saying it is is sad. It is sad what we've gotten to. Should we move on to another? But here's the good news. Yeah. No problems. When there's a Mm 9-11 situation, these stories aren't. We're not talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're completely out of problems. Right. At this particular moment. There'll be another terrorist attack, and there'll be a Columbine. Right. If there's a a Columbine, that's all we're on. Yeah, sure. There's a summit on global warming, and yes, the country is perhaps almost bankrupt because of the healthcare crisis, but that's boring. You're bringing me down, bitch. (laughs) Sorry. But at the same time, you know, I wake up this morning, I'm, oh, my God. 
there was a woman rushed to the hospital from Tiger Woods' house. Yeah. Was it though? It turns out it was yeah, the mother. Yeah, that's where I just stomped on the line. I just said, I don't care that someone else in his family had a medical emergency. It's not, mm. you know, it's like yeah. now, because the, the, uh, Harvey Levin was on with Ryan Seacrest <laughs> talking about how, uh, so that's pretty fishy that someone else in the family has some sort of ailment. <laughs> you know, what's the odds of that happening? Gotcha. Well, they, things happen. Yeah, when you're under a lot of stress. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, that's true, too. So Okay, right, well, so here's, a, here's another story out of Florida. A Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office corrections deputy was arrested Monday. Okay, let me try and... I was just there. This. I hope this isn't... Uh, In Palm Beach? I hope, yeah, I hope I don't have anything to do with this. I really hope you don't. This, hope. this woman, 48-year-old woman, Dorothea Collier, is a corrections officer. Mm-hmm. She came home, and she found mm-hmm. that her 20-year-old daughter was having sex with a 19-year-old named Larry Butler. Mm-hmm. She did not take it very well. She barged in. Now, they tried to hide it. You know, they like probably heard the key in the lock. He went in the closet naked. She was partially dressed. She found him in the closet. Isn't and- everyone in Florida partially dressed yeah. at all times? Like, I don't feel like everyone, yeah, never, no one gets past, like, uh, culottes and a tube top over there, right? They're always- they have, they've had a cold snap recently. Actually. Oh, okay. What, kind of chilly. 63? Yeah. So, these deputies, still in uniform... Finds the guy in the closet. He's not partially clothed. He's Ooh, nude. He's uh, punches him three or four times. The woman does. The woman does. Now, she's a CO, so she's armed. Uh-huh. She takes out her gun, and she points it at his head. She handcuffs him, and she orders him to his knees. Now, the daughter, 20 years old and partially clad, is begging her not to shoot the guy. She then threatened to send him to jail for raping her daughter. Now, the uh, daughter's 20. This kid's yeah. 19. Then she calls the father, a 48-year-old, Michael Collier. He comes home, hits the daughter and Butler, the kid, and eventually allowed him to get dressed and leave. Here's where it gets weird. Now, who who do you think's in trouble? Um, Okay. Randy Butler. Larry Butler. Larry Butler. I know a guy named Randy Butler. The dad, uh, he, he... he banged Tiger Woods later that day. Oh my God. Yeah, um, he's got the photos to prove it. All right. The, the dad who came over and smacked them both has got to be in trouble. Is he a peace officer as well, or is he just, just a guy with a grudge? Just some guy. Okay. Um, this is Florida, Adam. We're up is down and blind is Right, dark. that's so true. The dad was given the key to the city. Now, look, she's going to <laughs> she's going to give some kind of story that is the 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 cop, female cop, is going to give some sort of story about she thought her daughter was raped, she thought he posed a threat, blah blah blah. I mean, isn't that going to be her angle? She must have had some history with this guy. She must have, you know, he must be a bad guy, right? Well, apparently. I'm just guessing that there must have been some evidence of the beating he took because Dorothea Collier, the correctional officer, uh, was uh, re- arrested. All right. And she was charged with false imprisonment for handcuffing the guy, aggravated assault and battery. Mm-hmm. She, was, uh, she was released on $5,000 bail. Now, she, after the kid left, after she beat him and threatened to shoot him in the head and handcuffed him, she then filed a trespassing complaint against him mm-hmm. after he left. And he called the sheriff's office internal affairs to complain about her. And his complaint was heard and taken seriously. She is on paid administrative leave, which mm. actually doesn't sound that bad. You know, here, here's the, the moral of the story. Right? <laughs> Don't bang anyone whose mom or dad's a cop, number yeah. one. Number two... See, don't bang anyone whose parents have a gig where they're in a car. Because cops, 
constantly swing by their own mm. shit and handle right. their own shit. Because if you think about it this way, if you're Glendale PD, you live in Glendale. Right. Most likely. Or Simi Valley, because every <laughs> cop... And by the way, any terrorist listening, if you want to hit something, hit Simi Valley. A, you're going to get white people, and B, you're going to get the man. You, you, you blow up downtown L.A., you're going to get a bunch of Mexicans who are, are on your side. Or at least... At least not. Yeah. I don't know if they're sympathetic, but the point is, is they're barely even citizens. They don't have a pot to piss in. I'm just saying, go see me, Val. Terrorist listeners. I'd like to think that we have a pretty wide demographic. Yeah. Would you like to help them out whenever you think of something? <laughs> I'm just saying. So you're saying, see me, Valley. You get white people and you get a lot of You want of the cops. blue-eyed devil and you right. want the cops. And I'm saying, if you want to go in that, you go to see me, Valley. You don't go to fucking Koreatown. Right, thank you. Near where we live. All right. <laughs> <laughs> point is... Koreatown for a massage. Po- point, yeah. is, point is this. Terrorists get achy. Yeah. The, the, uh, oh shit, what the hell is this? Here's your point. <laughs> if you're going to mess with somebody and have sex in their house whose parents drive for a living, watch yourself because if I'm they in Glendale. Swing Glen- yeah. I don't guarantee you that they can every, call each yes. other too. There's uh, shit going on yeah. on your block. Every Glendale cop, I'll bet you every cop who has swung by their pad at least once or twice a month. For whatever. It's just like what you do and when you you're driving your a cell car. You at home, you drive by and pick it up. What? You don't trust your wife. Right. You just want to go. You, oh, you got to take a dump. Right. And you don't want to use the yeah, gas station. Dump. Right? You want to take that home dump. Or maybe you just want to go get a bag of Cheetos or beat off or whatever it is. So you want someone with a gig who's in a cubicle somewhere on the 30th floor and locked down. And you can literally call them. You know, like if your mom, like... You know, if your mom works 20 miles away and she's on the 30th floor and she's like in a cubicle and, you know, you, you dial her extensions like Johnson and Sons and you're like, oh, hey, mom. Yeah, I just wanted to. Could you pick up some takeout on your way home tonight? And then you hang up. You know, you have at least like if she sprinted for a car, you'd yes. have an hour to fuck. It's like triggering the bank alarm, the bank for a robbery. Right. You know, the right. office boss time is two and a half minutes. Right. So don't fuck any cops or like good humor men. Or anyone who drives a truck or drives UPS, UPS, you can't cheat. I'll bet you UPS guys and cops and so like find their wives cheating much higher than guys that like have regular gigs in office buildings. All right, that's all I'm saying. This woman, Don't cheat by on the way, cop. she's been uh, with the sheriff's office for 12 years. She makes over $58,000 yeah, on paid leave. I think we have a call, by the way. Oh, good. I don't like the paid leave, although I'm on it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait a second. But I didn't fuck up. I just got shit canned. You right. fucked up. Pat? Yeah, what's up? Um, what's going on? Oh, I love you guys, man. I can't believe I got on. You got a question for Doug Benson? Uh, yeah, I got all kinds of questions. Um, first of all, I saw oh. your movie. Awesome. Loved it. Oh, thank you very much. You're talking about Doug Benson? Yeah, Doug. Well, actually, I saw both your movies. So, yeah, The Hammer was awesome, They're too. They're both great so, in their own way. Super <laughs> high, man, you're talking about. Yeah. But if you had to pick one to take care of for the rest of its life as your own baby. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me no, that question. No, it's okay. I, I'm not you can't to compare. You on one's a documentary. They're totally one's a different. They're totally different. Adam was only high part of the time mm, making yes. his movie. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> what My, do you want to know about it? Um, I want to know about if you're coming to Seattle to perform any shows, what I really want to know. Oh, wow. That's uh, funny you should ask that because uh, I am coming to Seattle. I'm going to be in uh, Bellevue, February 27th and 28th. 
something like that. Toss out your website so people Sweet. can find you. Uh, well, you know, if you follow me on Twitter or go to my MySpace page, which is just my name in both cases, Doug Benson, uh, I put all the, you know, I, I, I'm constantly promoting. I, when I said it's funny you should ask that, it was more like, well, that's odd because normally at the end of our interview you'll mention a couple of my dates that are coming sure. up and I don't get such a big <clears throat> window of plugging opportunity right there in the middle of the show. Hey, Pat. Right on, yeah. What else going on? Um, yeah, actually, I did just start following you on Twitter, so I'll catch that. But, yeah, what else is going on? I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, that TLC deal, man. I, I love that. I found it on the Internet and watched, like, every episode in one day. Wow. And then I was, you know, having withdrawals. And Thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. At least we got the podcast, yeah. But uh, any, any plans for doing anything like that, another reality show type deal? Um, not right now, but uh, you, you never know. Um, for me, uh, I just wanted to document that and what it's like to really build a house and get my jack-off friends on TV and so on and so forth. Uh, but I don't have any uh, any plans immediately for a uh, show, although I'm, I'm so glad that everyone loves that show and seemed to find it. It seemed to have some sort of life on Internet or whatever, and I've uh, tried to get it together to... to get it to sell it but yeah. i can't seem to get tlc I've, I've never had a proper discussion with tlc about what happened or why it was canceled or what the deal was it was never it's weird sort of mystery sort of uh not there's a lot of those in show business like why it was took seven years in between letterman appearances and things like that I don't know what the deal was. I know it wasn't gangbuster in the ratings, but I everyone who sees the show loves it. So I don't know what TLC's deal is. And uh, either way, no plans of doing another reality show. But thanks for watching. Okay, yeah, yep. man. Thanks you, for you have everything. a question for Teresa about her baby? Um, yeah, well, I just want to see how, how the baby's doing. And what check, is it? Check on T's V. And- oh, thank you, Pat. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, yeah. Check in on the V. I rarely mentioned that Swing I had a baby. Swing the squad yeah, car by the V. Well, the V is intact because I had the C. Oh, right. that's right. Mm-hmm. The baby, Buster, he's 10, week, 10 and a half weeks old, still alive. Mm. Still alive. Yeah. Good job. Good job. I haven't sold him yet either. No. Awesome. <laughs> no. Oh, he's so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Um, thanks, Donnie. Lynette, Carol Adams' wife, and I are going to be doing a podcast starting next year, kind of a parent cast. Oh, that's right. I, talk I, about I follow her on the, the Twitter. On the Twitter. Yeah. 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 It uh, sounds good so far, so we'll do that. Also, uh, speaking of uh, plugs, uh, we have an Irvine Improv uh, live show that we're doing, a podcast that we're doing, sold out. Oh, wow. great. What? Yeah, uh, that's on the 16th, and uh, that's Wednesday the 16th, uh, sold out. So Donnie called me last night and said, it's sold out. And I said, really? We barely talked about it. And he said, well, it's sold out. So I said, why don't we add a second show? So we're going to add a second show to the uh, Irvine Improv. It's just going to be a live uh, podcast show. We'll get the guests together. We'll get the comedians and the acts and all that kind of stuff. But you can just, if you want to come out and see the show, I'll do some uh, live What Can't Adam Complain About. Bring your movie. Bring your book. I'll sign everything. I'll hang out. We'll have some beers, and we'll do a second show. All right. Uh, I'm, hey. I, I'm at the Irvine Improv December 26th and 27th. Oh, really? What do you know? <laughs> Another plug window just yeah, opened. Yeah, it's just right wow. there. <clears throat> Eric from yeah. uh, Cincinnati. What's going on, Eric? Hey, I want to say hello. And Doug, I love I Love Movies. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I have a question about a movie about the hammer, which makes a great gift, by the way. Thanks. Um, oh, stocking I, I, stuffer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, I love that uh, Jane Lynch, is, whom I'm a big fan of from her Christopher Guest movies, uh, makes, I think, an uncredited cameo in the movie. Yes. And I wonder if you could... Uh, I don't think you've talked about that scene or how she's in the movie or why it's uncredited. I wonder if you could talk about that. Uh, it's uncredited because her agent didn't want it, <laughs> her, her to do it. Or really? didn't want her credited for it or whatever. I don't know if he thought the movie would suck or she wasn't getting paid or... It's one of those uh, Hollywood agent retard, you know, somewhere between publicists and agents thinking they know something. And so I think it had to do with her agent and not wanting her to do the film. Um, Jane Lynch is now on Glee. She's a 40-year-old virgin. I mean, she's just one of these people. You've seen her face a thousand times on a thousand good movies. And she's just rock solid. She's never the leading lady. She's just rock solid. You never the manager from 40-year-old virgin. 40-year-old virgin, yes, horny store manager. Uh, The story was, is I didn't know who we were going to find to sort of play a rough-and-tumble lesbian. Um, uh, uh, Kevin Hanch and uh, Heather Jurgensen, who I I did the movie with, somehow had a connection to Jane Lynch. And i got to remember this about four years ago. We were sort of talking about who was going to play that part, and they said Jane Lynch, and I didn't know the name. But if I'd seen the face, I would have known who the face was. But they said, you know, she's that woman from... And I said, oh, she seems fine. And uh, we just got her to come out to uh, the uh, Lowe's out in Van Nuys. That was another one of those many, I have to get up at 4.45 in the morning, but we have to wait till Lowe's closes at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night kind of... Remember when we used to do the morning show, yes. how the clock was always ticking? Like, if you were at an event or a concert, or every once in a while, be like, hey, got you two concerts. Like, where are they playing? The Staples Center, Wednesday night. And you'd go like, what time? Like, they'll, they'll, they'll go on about 9, and you'd be like, uh, and there's somewhere about 11, 15, you'd be thinking... I'm happy that I'm at a U2 concert. On the other hand, I know I have to get up in four and a half hours and I'm fucking, the clock is ticking. Yeah. Like, like, uh, really. It, Can I it, just say I have that now? Because if I'm away from home, there's mm-hmm. a sitter. So the meter is running every right. second. Right. And it becomes like the telltale heart. You just hear the clock yeah. just tick, ticking under the floorboards. Tick, tick, tick. And, and so that's what alcohol is for. It was one of those. It, <laughs> well, when I got to go home, away, and it was one of those things where me and Jane Lynch were shooting, and Ozzy wasn't understanding what we're saying, and I was looking up at the clock, and it was like eleven ten at night, and I was thinking, Ugh. but she, you know, why she works so much? Total pro, and and I'll say this about her: I've done bits many times where I've said, look, just say half-inch CDX uh, struck one, good one side, or corrugated, panhead, you know, sheet knocker, tin rock, tin, tin knocker, whatever. Just say the words and, and just own them. But people who don't know what a panhead, you know, coarse thread panhead drywall screw is uh, versus uh, bonderized caulking, like they really don't own it. It's kind of like that Bond villain syndrome right. where they have the hot chick talk about the, the nuclear it's warhead. Denise, Denise, Denise Richards yeah, talking feel, about feel doesn't, right. doesn't feel like they own it. Right. I will say this about Jane Lynch. I know she doesn't know what, uh, you know, hold downs are or, you know, footings or number four rebar. She owned it. Yeah, she's and I, great. Man. That's yeah. why she's good at what she does. She got the dialogue. She learned the dialogue, and, and it was a mouthful. Yeah. She was ready. She was probably the biggest star in the movie, sadly. 
And she knew her dialogue. She showed up. She owned it. She nailed it. You know, you talk about these people like, oh, they're actors or whatever. Bullshit. They work hard. They study. And the ones that do great jobs, you know, say what you want about Tom Cruise. I guarantee that guy busts his ass and shows up ready every day on set. Uh, thank you. I think you're caller. right. <laughs> hey, Rob. Yeah. Mm. You have a question? Yeah, uh, I, I want to know if we were ever going to get to hear a, uh, a Hammer podcast with, with Kevin Hanch and, and some of your co-stars from the movie. Uh, feels a little self-serving, but if, if people want it, sure, why not? Show. Why we not? can do it. Yeah. If you buy the DVD and you uh, look at the director's cut or the commentary or whatever, it's kind of all there. But yeah, anyone who's interested in making an independent movie, maybe we'll do like a Saturday show where all of you want to make an independent movie, we'll tell you our tale of woe and kind of walk you through it. And then uh, and then I had a quick home improvement question for you. Yes. Um, I, I, I've been looking to get into uh, to home improvement and, and to learn a skill. Uh, what would you recommend to me? Carpentry, electrical, plumbing? Hmm. Um, I would say that electrical and plumbing probably pay the most, and I would look at it this way: if this, you this isn't this isn't for a career. I, I, I'm 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 an employed man. This is this is just for myself. Oh, what, for yourself. What, what you're going to need to yeah. know the most to do uh, around the house. Oh well, then finish carpentry is what you okay. should would would help the most. But like let's just a cabinet. Yeah, cabinet, baseboard, hanging a door. I mean, you realize once you move in your house, you don't need to know how to frame a house. Your house is already framed. But you do need to know how to set a deadbolt. Yeah. Or you do have those French doors that are sticky. Or those cabinet doors that are out of alignment. You know what I'm saying? I so, focus yeah. on sanding. Once you get That's in, finish is all you, you really need. Um, I will say this. I, I misunderstood your question, but I'll, I'll, I'll answer my own misunderstood question to anyone who's thinking about getting into the trades. You do a two-year apprenticeship as an electrician or as a plumber, you're making 40 bucks an hour. You do a two-year apprenticeship as just a general carpenter, you don't know shit. You're, you're just a glorified gooper who's going to make $11 an hour because two years you can't learn all that you need to learn. So I would specialize in one thing if I was telling a loser, I mean a kid, Wait, to get into this an and say focus than on it because there's just less poop. Less involved. poop. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. only there's forty percent less poop now. Right. As a matter of fact, if you go to the electrician's un- union, it That's says their- <laughs> now with forty percent less poop. If it pays the same. Yeah. What do you do, Rob? That uh, pays the bills. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a political advisor, actually. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. At twenty four. At twenty four. Which party? Uh, it's I, I'm a low level staff member. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And what Tell side you on? He's good at it already. He didn't ask which. He didn't I, answer he which did not party. Answer, yeah. And we almost didn't notice. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 a political advisor for the Democratic Party. Uh huh. Boom. Up in uh, Seattle. Well, uh, yeah. you know, D- Doug Benson's coming out there. <laughs> I'm going to do some benefits for. Uh, I'm going to raise money for marijuana. Yeah. Thanks, Sorry. Rob. Good times. Bye, Rob. It's weird to get into stuff like that at 24. Yeah. yeah. That. And by the way, he's 24 now. He's probably been doing it for three years. Oh, he was probably on the debate team in high school and didn't, you know, an internship on the Hill. Yes, uh, Nick. Has you have a question? Yes. You on? Now Nick's got a bad line. Let's put Nick on hold. T, you got another news story? We were talking about stocking stuffers. One could buy Doug Benson's movie, Super High Me, or one could buy Adam Carolla's movie, The Hammer, or 
One could take a suggestion from a, a public service announcement. This is a real public service announcement from CBS. Now, you you remember the uh, NBC's The More You Know. Sure, David of, Schwimmer. Right. Telling us to talk to our kids, even though he was a deadbeat dad on right. Friends and has no kids in real life. Who better take than David to Schwimmer to, to take some time <laughs> so that they're not out bothering me? Right, and the I guy like- <laughs> who talked to his fucking monkey right. more on the show he was on than his own kid. Sure, we should all take time and talk and to our kids. And let's not forget Molly Sims reminding me that beauty is on the inside. Who better <laughs> than Molly Sims to explain to you that it's not important? So ironic. It's like, hey, bitch, you wouldn't be doing this PSA if you weren't hot. We wouldn't know who you were. But thank you, hot, blonde, skinny, young chick, for telling everyone else that they have to think about. And by the way... When are we going to be done with that fucking Tyra Banks, Molly Sims, it's what you look like, it's what you feel. Yeah, tell that to every fucking fat, homely 13-year-old chick in the country. Shut the fuck up, bitches. Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, NBC, between the fucking <laughs> Molly Sims and the Schwimmer thing, do they just do they have a vendetta against Americans? Like, they must know they're doing zero. Right? Like, that's their fuck it, we don't care. The FCC forces us to do these goddamn things. So fuck it. Give them Molly Sims and give them Schwimmer talking about zero. Right? Well, let's see if you like CBS's public service announcement more. And I'm going to play you two of them. All right. Here's the first one telling you what you, you know, just giving you some gift ideas for Christmas. Take yeah. a listen. What not to get your kid a, a beating. All right. Want to do something special for your woman this Christmas? Schedule her pap smear. Well, pap smears save lives. <laughs> Give her the gift that even Santa can't deliver. What? So now, First let me review. Who was that guy? A really creepy actor. And secondly, my guy now dresses as Santa, so oh. bullshit, Santa can't deliver that. So they're suggesting that you get your the woman in your life a pap mm-hmm. smear for Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Throw that. Uh, you throw know that what? in a box and wrap it up, and you're good. I. I, I I, I'm all all on board with that. But how do you get someone a password? Do you like hand them a 20 bucks and say, like, this is where you call pay? Go down there. Make like one and, of those uh, gift certificates people make like for a massage. <laughs> I owe you. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> one back rub. You're probably not going to believe the second one. And then how does it work when you get them a gift certificate at the gyno? Like, do they swipe the card and they go, well, the guy gets you $500 paps. He got you a $500 gift certificate. The pap smear is $389. And then you're like, oh, so what? So then what's, what's left? left? Over? Well, I got a, you got $111. Oh, mm-hmm. could you like burn off a ward or something? Or maybe, like, wait a second. If I have a yeast infection, could I come back for that? Well, that's $250. Would you like to see our gift shop? Well, I'll put it towards the yeast infection. Okay, we could do I'll, that. I'll play, pay the difference with my credit card. We could do that. You know what's evil about all gift certificates? Um, ever since they started going to the credit card gift certificate, they never fucking write on there what's left on the card, and they know what they're doing, and it floats around in your wallet, and two years later... $9 billion a year they make off of yes. what's not spent on those cards. Because you're staring at the Gap card, and you're like, Are, is there $13 left on this or $1,300? Like, I have no fucking idea. And people lose them, and right. there's lots of... Scam. At least they can't expire anymore, I think. Somebody yeah. stepped in and stopped yes. that. Well, here is the other PSA, also from CBS. I like the pap smear so Want to do something special for your woman this Hanukkah? Schedule her pap smear. Just a smear could save her life. Give the gift that will light up her menorah. I mean, that's worse than the Holocaust. <laughs> that was 
And it, that, I am so that was punny. disturbed. It was not only punny. And listen, I have nothing against word plays. You guys all know. Uh, but yeah. a shme- I mean, it yeah. was just embarrassing. Yeah. And they've got to make, they've got to turn smear into a schmear. Just, they've got to make it a Hanukkah. And then they flash the menorah at the end. What show yeah, is that Toss guy a on? Q-tip in that bagel hole. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I recognize that guy, but I don't know what show he's on. I, I guess uh, I don't ever watch CBS. Listen, uh, the pap schmear. Okay, oh, okay. God. The, the the but but here's my overall point. As as much as this makes you want to put down your eggnog, it is still at least about something. Whereas Molly Sims <laughs> telling you to feel good about yourself when you're ugly is a zero, right. and David Schwimmer telling you to talk to your kids is a point two. Like right. I mean, two zeros. At least this is. Just something specific, and maybe we'll save a few lives. Yeah, a pap smear is useful, whereas feeling good about myself if I'm not pretty is impossible. Apartments.com. With the most rental listings anywhere, there is no wrong way to find your right place on Apartments.com. You could smear your phone screen with peanut butter and let your furry roommate lick their way to a new pet-friendly place. That's how easy Apartments.com is. Or use a tablet like a Ouija board and call up your late Nana. Apartments.com even offers virtual tours so you can explore your potential place from anywhere with an internet connection. Bar on a bad first date, tandem bike on the beach, wherever. From tried and true methods to virtually enhanced techniques, you'll discover that special somewhere on Apartments.com, the most popular place to find a place. And that was Doug Benson, Teresa Strasser, and Brian Bishop hanging out on the Adam Carolla podcast in December of 2009. It's nice seeing Doug in that blockbuster uh, documentary as well. So this is before Avatar even came out, I think. Look at that. All right, let's get going with our final clip. This is from January of 2011. Got Patton Oswalt. Adam Krula show up, so 233, one-on-one format, original ACP format. Patton Oswalt, full episode. Again, another short one. Uh, chopped off the closing credits and the opening. Enjoy the full episode right now. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but get on, man. Get it on. Welcome to the show. Patton Oswald, everybody. Blew through that one. Yeah. I love it. Patton's uh, such a sweetheart of a guy. Mm. I was talking to someone uh, just the other day about what a nice, generous, real guy you are. <laughs> and in a, a business filled with anxiety and just sort of fucked up people and competitive <laughs> people, now you were just one of the nice ones. You were talking to me. Oh, that was you. Oh, I was kissing your... Oh, you were saying you were one of the nice... Yeah, I remember that. I was going off about how how everyone in this business is just a a frightened, crawling little bastard, and I'm the only guy with real heart. Right, oh, Remember that? I was saying that? Yeah, but someone was telling me you had a huge cock, too. That was probably me. I'm I'm guessing that's me. Oh, 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 oh. But strides like a colossus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was a guy... Uh-huh. And I, I swear this was a different conversation. Okay, but he said nobody ate pussy like Pat and Oswald. Like nobody. Uh, me again. That's me again. What, what's that? You? That was me. Yeah. 
We I, were we were in Reno for three days. I I talked to a guy that said he came up with AZT. That he essentially that he said that you came up with the triple cocktail uh-huh. and essentially turned AIDS from a death sentence yep. that, into a chronic disease. That was me. But that wasn't. We were we were that the, was we were at the baccarat table at the Gold Spike. That was you, you were in Reno. You had a huge trash bag full of something wet, and you kept saying, "I have to sell this." To a white-haired man, and that was, and that's all you said for three days. And then Donnie and suddenly, I did peyote, so I was yeah. out of it. But then suddenly the the trash bag was gone, and you're like, "We have to leave Reno immediately." And then I, at that point, I'm like, "I'm gonna keep, stop bothering him, and maybe I should talk about myself a little bit." There was a guy. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure this one wasn't you. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said that he went to high school with Michael Jordan, and right. that when they got up in they would get and pick up basketball games uh-huh. after school, yeah. and he would just deal on Jordan. Like, Jordan was his bitch. And, and that you, uh-huh. you were just would fucking jam on the guy uh-huh. and just literally get him to quit a lot of the time. That was... He couldn't guard you. Yeah, it was Barack Obama told you that. He told yeah, me that. Yeah, that was, that was... About you. About me, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, finally yeah, there a we story. Go. Yeah. Ugh. Well, speaking of... I, I didn't want to be the one to say that, so I'm glad Barack did. Uh, Patton, by the way, has a uh, DVD, a nominated DVD, by the way, for Best Comedy Album. Is, is that Grammy nomination? Grammy nomination, yeah. That's exciting. That's very exciting. My weakness is strong. It, never been nominated for a Grammy before. Never been nominated. Uh, that's going to be cool. I get to go to the... Have you been to the Grammys? I was about to say no, but uh, famously mm. once... Ooh. Um, by with uh, escorting uh, Natalie from the Dixie Chicks. Nice. Which um, is a whole... <laughs> do you know this story? No, I don't. Is this a real story? It's a real story that has a real ending and wow. and, and you don't know it and it's a great story but everyone who's listening has heard well, it let, 11 times. Talk, tell me off the air. Okay, I'll is tell, it, is tell it you Is it pre-Bush or post-Bush comments? It, it is... It is pre-Bush comments by the Dixie Chicks. It is their first... It is their first uh, Grammys. Sure. And uh, they won. You're right. And I was just out of the blue contacted by Natalie Maine's uh, people to escort her. She wanted me to be her escort. Wow. And uh, uh, yeah. hijinks ensued t- 10 years ago or something. It was a weird... So you're just, you're just a, a country western gigolo now. Whenever the hot c singers, there's a get me... Just, uh, just they, I they have go, to fuck Tammy Wynette. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. go dangle a Corolla off my arm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was bad because I had a girlfriend. Yeah, it must have been a little awkward. And it was funny when they won because it was me, Natalie, and then the other two Dixie Chicks and their husbands... So everyone oh. popped up and started kissing each other, and it was uh, me, and Natalie, like doing a fist bump because I knew my girlfriend was at home watching. Um, but yeah, that's weird. I was at a truck stop in Palmdale two weeks ago, and I saw this really hot woman, and she was walking with this much taller guy. And these two truckers went, "Check it out, she's dangling a Corolla." Oh, oh, really? It's it's, it's a saying now. Oh, it's like yeah. like getting a Lewinsky or something. It, yeah, just look, she's dangling a Corolla. Wow. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, the uh, rest of the stories when Jimmy Kimmel decided to play a prank on me and make well, me... I'm sorry, wait, Jimmy Kimmel played a prank on you? That, <laughs> yes. What? That's weird. He made me believe that Natalie was stalking me. 
through. He started uh, gaslighting you a little bit. He did a full blown gaslight on uh, me, and uh, to the point where I had to call her and tell her to back off that my love wasn't for sale. <laughs> and her response was, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> And he had sent underpants and six foot sandwich, six foot submarine sandwiches, oh. and he done a whole. Yes, Jimmy does not, will not miss an opportunity to fuck right. with uh, somebody. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. not a revelation at all. No, absolutely no, it, not a revelation. And and, and it, it's not. And there's and there's no light. I mean, he he. Had his uh, Aunt Chippy's house painted like a uh, hot pink or something like that while she was on vacation. I mean, here's the thing. A, a guy who has a gene that wants to fuck with other people sure. is dangerous, but it's limited a little bit by his uh, time and money. But now you got a guy like Jimmy with a pretty oh, big bank yeah. account. Right, right. And plus, lackeys to do his bidding. A staff. Whereas before... He would have to physically go paint Aunt Chippy's house. Right. Now he can just hire 10 Mexicans to paint the house, and he can do all his bidding. Isn't like, that the definition of a supervillain? Yes. He's a fucking Persian cat away a guy with, from... Yeah, a guy with money and a staff. And... An evil intent. And, and, not, and, and not only evil intent, evil for the sake of evil. You know what I mean? Ooh, not no, what if I, what no if we, gain. He's, what, there's no monetary gain in it for what him. What if we find out that my Grammy nomination is an elaborate prank by him? Uh, I, I, it would I not shock me. I, I, I got to tell you, he's uh, he's gone to some pretty elaborate lengths to uh, fuck with people, <laughs> and uh, I mean he he's an opportunist. Sure. A uh, story that has been told, but not on this show, probably for a while. Is Ooh. we were. Um, we're sitting at Carney's eating a hot dog. Sure. Many years ago, just okay. doing nothing. And a uh, car drove by, honked at another car, cut another guy off on Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> and I said, oh, that, that, that was our buddy Mark who was in that uh, Honda Solstice or whatever he was driving at the time. <laughs> and, and he said, that was Mark? And I said, yeah, that, that, that was Mark. And he's like, okay. And he called the guy. Doing his scary black voice later that day. Hey, motherfucker, I'm the guy you cut off on Ventura <laughs> Boulevard, and I got friends who work at the DMV, and I got your home number, and I got your address, and I'm coming and I'm kicking your ass, bitch. And the guy, he drove the guy insane for three weeks. Like he would call him, and he'd say, "Yeah, it's me," and I'm still. I know where you live, and he'd give the guy's like address out, and he just had to complete. Because in this guy's mind. What else could it be? He's driving on Ventura Boulevard. He right. cuts a guy off. Right. The guy honks. He flicks him off. And all of a sudden, the phone's ringing. How could this be Jimmy Kimmel? Yes. Because how could Jimmy have known about it? Right. How could Jimmy have seen it? There's no possible way this could be anything other. And when it came to me and Natalie Maines from, uh, or Maine or whatever, let's say it was from Is it me. with an S or without an S? It's Natalie Maines for some reason. That's what I but, think too, but, but um, I'm wrong. Either way, when it came to him gaslighting me with her, <laughs> she started it by inviting me sure. to the Grammys. He just finished it with the yeah. underpants and the ice cream cake. Well, that guy started it by flip, flipping off a guy that cut him off. and then So it's yes. all about it's, Jimmy gets the ball and he just runs with it like Gail Sayers. Yeah, he's unstoppable. You know? He yeah. just needs his Gail needed... 18 inches of daylight. 18 inches of daylight. That's all, all I need. needed. Yep. Boy, 
Are you from Chicago? Uh, no, but I'm a huge Gail Sayers fan. There's there's YouTube footage, like compilations of him running, mm-hmm. that I'll watch before I write. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, remember that bullshit about you listen to Mozart and it makes you smarter? Mm-hmm. I think that if you watch Gail Sayers running, any activity you do afterwards, you're even be- because you have in your mind just total supernatural grace. Really? Yeah, so I just, I'm in my mind, I in the morning, I watch as a compilation on YouTube of Gail Sayers, all his best runs, and then I start writing, and I, I swear to God, it makes my writing better. Wow! I yeah. love that about you. Yeah, because it's, I mean, you've seen the footage of Gail Sayers running. It, it looks like a guy with a superpower. It doesn't look real. Well... It looks so amazing. The thing about Gail Sayers is he's so graceful. Yes. And there's also something about the era, which uh, I always bring up with boxing. Right. The the pictures from the 30s and the 40s were amazing because they're black and white and the arenas were filled with smoke. Yeah. Because everyone was smoking a cigar. It looks ringside, cinematic. And yeah. it's cinematic. And we'll never ha- capture that day again because no. everything's shot on digital and it's all full color and there's no you see smoke. And there's no, and, right, yeah. right. So the way... get Now, the stuff now is in super high definition and the stuff before was in this grainy black and white. Right. But Gail Sayers was shot like in the 60s when we just, there was just enough going on with the texture yeah. and the fields weren't, weren't this bright green astroturf. You'd see a little dust coming oh up my. from his heels when he was t- returning a kickoff. The fields were torn up and even worse, as his opponents would say, he was he could run flat-footed so it, a lot of the, his best runs happened in mud when people could literally barely stand up, and he was like the silver surfer, just zip, just zipping around everyone. Yeah, it looked. And what's also weird is he's this slender, like you said, graceful guy. Yes. And you would think, well, that guy gets tackled, he's going down. Yeah. There's there's runs where he'll get tackled. Guys will have him, and he'll just shrug it. It's it's the weirdest looking. He just will not stop. Yeah. He, and here's the other thing: he will run. You know. Right into the center of where everyone is, and then it seems like he vanishes, and then he just comes out the other side. Um, it's so weird. I believe, and I'm not nearly as big a Gale Sayers fan as uh, Patton Oswalt is, but I know a lot about football. Yeah. One of his best days, I think he was, had a day in 300-yard day or 262-yard day or something. Yeah. It was in the mud. It was yeah. a very famous game in the mud, and I forgot who he was playing, and he... Scored, I believe he scored six touchdowns, and he would have scored more, but the coach took him out because the coach was afraid that he was going to get injured or, or be tired or something. And Gale just—I mean, nobody could catch him that day. Yeah. And, so, and, it, so it's interesting that you are inspired by somebody. Look at that. Somebody we're watching now. Oh my somebody, God. somebody who's great in a field that has nothing to do with watch comedy this. writing. Watch this. Okay. All right. And, boom! <laughs> boom! He, that guy had him. And he just like kicked in a second gear, yeah. and zipped the other direction, and then the two guys net smacked into each other. Yeah, we do have to get our gear metaphors worked out when it comes to football because we do. This guy's got another gear, and then we'll go. This guy just put it into overdrive, and yeah, I'm like, right. well, which is it? Because yeah. one of them second gear, and the other's fifth or sixth gear. So right, we have to right. Work that one out. But this, yeah, this you, guy just kicked his nitro tank in and went into third gear. Well, no, you can't have. <laughs> what are you doing, idiot? So you watch Gale Sayers and you're inspired, and then you sit down and write, and then pow, I don't even a know Grammy. So much that I'm inspired is just this. I feel like it. It opens up 
more corridors in my brain, I guess, mm-hmm. because you're seeing such perfection. Mm-hmm. This, right, th- right, this, right. You're seeing a guy do something that... It's really weird how... And I've, I've talked about this. There used to be a time when people would see something like a Gale Sayers running, right. or they'd see someone like a, a Jimi Hendrix playing guitar, or they'd read you know, um, uh, a passage by Hemingway, and they'd be excited because they're, they're, they're experiencing something that they could never do. So right. Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm looking at elevated humanity, and it's really exciting. Right. And, and now I think people see that, and they just get pissed off. People, everyone feels like, well, everyone, everyone has to have a chance. Look, you can do anything you want, but you're not guaranteed to excel at it. And, right. and we've forgotten that, and people are like, I, I have the right to also be a huge star at anything I try. It's like, that's not true. Well, I mean, we're sort of talking about reality TV now. We're but, talking about, yeah, all but, that stuff. Yeah, there was a time where we would see you do something that was great and appreciate it. Now we resent you. Yes, and uh, it, it really, it, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs. That Yeah, well, really what it is is we realize we can't do it, and it's right. this sort of shame that then turns into resentment toward you. But uh, I but love... Like, I, yes. I, I watch Gail Sayers and go, I don't go, now I'm going to go out and try to run like him. I just go, all right, I want to do that in the thing that I'm able to do. I want to try to reach that level. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? No, you're more of a blocking back. Absolutely. <laughs> so you want to be the best blocking, the best I lead back. Be, I want to be the best guy who cuts up oranges and fills the water cups on the sideline right. to hand out to players. I want to be the Gail Sayers of that. No, I... I, I I, I dig it, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. I've said this, you know, you're talking about saying, well, they say Mozart makes you smarter and whatever. I've said that actually about ranchero music, which is, <laughs> look, if there's a music that can make you smarter, there has to be one that makes you dumber, <laughs> and I think I've found it. I know... We live in a society where only things make you smarter, but nothing makes you dumber, or everyone gets a participation oh, yeah, trophy. Or, or, or they never tell you, like, for as many things that they tell you will make you smarter, why aren't there warnings about, oh, and by the way, if you, if you watch or listen to this, you'll, you'll be dumber. Yeah, you listen to Ranchero music and huff copier toner, you will be dumber. <laughs> my, my wife tried to watch that show, uh, is it called the, the New Jersey Shore, or is, is yeah, it the Jersey, Jersey Shore? Shore. And she and she said, or she goes, I'm not trying to be funny, but I tried to watch 10 minutes and I felt myself getting dumber. I felt my view of the world getting angrier and dumber and I, I couldn't make as many connections as I did. And she turned it off like she got scared yeah. that it was making her dumb. Well, I'll tell you the scary part. We were just talking about, um, you know, reality stars and, and where we're heading. Mm-hmm. I did... Uh, uh, Leno's show uh, on on Monday, right? And I was um, uh, Tim Allen was the the guest, right? And I was doing my monthly Jackass of the Month bit or whatever it is <laughs> I do on that show, right? Yeah, right. And so it, it, now now Snooky from the Jersey Shore, mm-hmm. the sort of. Uh, well, is that a he or a she? I don't know. Who. It's a chick. If if you had a, a D cup and some spray on tan, uh-huh. I could easily pass you off as. Oh, I've a only got a B cup. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I got to work on that. Anyway, yeah. so um, she was on the ten for ten that he does. What's that? Uh, you ask a celebrity ten questions, right? And and when they do the roll in for ten for ten, 
he like see like um, Barack Obama and Matt Damon and <laughs> uh, you know Helen Keller. Like I mean, it's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Snooky, you right? Know, you know what I mean? And I'm sitting there as a performer, and I, I'm not normally like I I understand. Look, Tim Allen's. In other words, I'm a contributing guest on the show, but I'm right. not a guest on the show. You sure. Know I mean? Tim Allen is the guest yeah, on the yeah, show. Yeah. But but uh, I'm not I haven't earned the ten for ten status <laughs> yet either. And I'm just sitting there in my dressing rooms staring at Snooky up on my monitor. <laughs> By the way, and, and before she went on, I was just sitting there and I was thinking well, this is awesome. You've you've been on Letterman multiple times. You've been on you've been on Leno multiple times yeah. as the guest. You've had you know hit TV shows and syndicated yeah. radio shows, and you basically have to wait till Snooky is done before you can go on and dance like we, a monkey. We have you have to wait till Snooky is done. You have to wait till they're done finding out how smart is Snooky before you get to go out and right. do your thing. And <laughs> it's not so much that you're waiting on Snooky. Yes. You're waiting on it on them testing Snooky. Well, for something Snooky was. Was n- not interesting and not entertaining, and it was this sort of weird. I mean, it became entertaining just in a sort of from a train wreck standpoint. But like Jay was like, Snooky, what is your favorite junk food? What is your favorite? Uh, you know, he I don't know, drive through or you know, what what is your favorite fast food or junk food? And she said, uh, a pickle. And Jay was like, well, I don't really think that's considered junk food. Yeah. And she said, well, I like pickles. And he said, well, I think that's a cucumber that's just been brined or something. And she's like, well, I don't know about cucumbers, but I like pickles. And I realized, but here's what I realized. (laughs) Not only was Snooki not funny, Mm -hmm. not only was... uh, Did I have to deal with the sort of new world order Mm -hmm. of, again... I, I understand. Um, I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm not Ben Affleck, and I'm I'm not an A-list celebrity, but I've been around for 15 years, uh, uh, and and also around working at what you do and trying to be better at it, right? And I, during those 15, I years. have to wait till the 22-year-old whore from the from the Jersey Shore is done. And, but but here's what I realized also. She was horrible, and why right. sh- Why should she be anything but horrible? Right. She's a 22-year-old from Jersey with yeah, a GED, but- and yet Snooky in our New World Order gets to go on before me because... Well- that's what you're snooky. But but that that's a really sinister phrase you're using there, New World Order, because earlier you said, you were talking about Snooky goes out, and then you, you paused, and you said, it was entertaining in a train wreck kind of way. All right, I think that phrase said in that inflection, that has been the last decade we've been so beaten down by the bad entertainment we've been given that right. now we've made a deal with whatever awful reality stuff gets put out so that we go, well, I guess in a train wreck, because we can't admit that I just wasted an hour watching this stupid reality show. Right. So then people have to go, yeah, it's good in like a train wreck kind of way. Right. That's not, you're not excusing the performers. You're excusing yourself for watching it. Right. You're trying to make up a reason that it was valuable for you. Yes. Where it was, you can't just go, ah, I could have, I could have talked to a friend. I could have read a book. I could have listened to an album I've never listened to. Could have watched but Gail Sayers talk about eighteen inches of daylight for the twenty fifth yeah, time. It, that day. Exactly. But instead, I watched a bunch of idiots that are. I watched Khloe Kardashian be, go yeah, shopping. Exactly. 
and and I just watched rich people problems for an hour, right? And then I and then and then to justify that, I go, yeah, it was a train wreck way. It was good. I yeah. so <laughs> yeah. like that's the that that phrase. It was entertaining in a train wreck kind of way. That to me is like that's the anthem of the defeated. Yeah, not 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 the entertainers or the reality stars. The audience, they're so defeated, they just go, yeah, I guess it's, you're just uh, well. We're at a new stage uh, where uh-huh. we're at this point in our society where we used to go watch an entertainer because the guy was a great juggler and this guy could juggle eight bowling pins at once yes they could do something that we can't do now we go watch a guy who's the world's fucking worst juggler yes he can't do two balls (laughs) it's embarrassing you gotta see how shitty this guy is at juggling I remember there was a thing, uh, Roger Ebert wrote this in a review of some movies years ago, but he said there was a time that there were certain things that people would only do in the privacy of their own home, like, mm-hmm. you know, crazy acts and whatever. And that now those same things, people will only do them if they're being filmed and paid for it. Right. There's no other reason to do, like, right. it, it isn't even that people don't have a sense of shame. They have this creepy sense of shrewdness. Right. Like why would I why would I stick that up my ass if no one's gonna film me? I don't know why I gave that poor guy a southern accent, right. but it just seems that I don't know why we just if don't you did build, it like Kelsey Grammer it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't track. Why don't we just build a huge um reality TV infrastructure uh, up along the northern states and then just the just have the south just be the feeder because that seems they just seem to exploit people. Like, ha ha! Look, they're poor and don't have access to education. Let's film them. Right, and, and that is this mean. Just everything. Well, yes. I mean, God, it's, it's like so you, gross. You take fifteen women with no education who probably should be on meds, and you put them in a house and have them vie for the love right. of uh, a guy even- who's wearing a clock. <laughs> and around his neck, yeah. and of course the hair pulling and the fights ensue, and then it gets sort of glorified. And, and yet, and also what's really weird is every now and then a reality a reality show will come along, like a, a Project Runway or a Top Chef, that is actually based on merit, right. and you're actually watching skilled people that are doing stuff that you can't do, and those are wildly popular. Yeah, and, and, and but in people, the clips of those, it's the person breaking down and crying and saying, exactly, I yeah. don't know how to use a walk anymore! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but at least those shows are about yes. the untalented or the the smug amateur getting weeded out for the people that quietly, like you just said, you put in 15 years and I learned my trade, for God's sake. So, you know what I mean? Like, right. What happened to that? Uh, well, it's going to have to wait until Snooki is done. I, uh, yeah, but through but, her and, ten and ten, and I, I guarantee you, some other, you know, lumpy slut's going to take her place. <laughs> there, oh. there is some weird, yes, hunched over slut living under a mountain like Gollum right now. Yes. that's just waiting for Snooki to drink herself into a into a Doctor Drew show, right. and then she's going to go take her place. No, I know, and you know, it's like what choice? I I wasn't. And by the way, and offended. I love Doctor Drew, but with the Doctor Drew show, now there's no way out. There's no, there's no like drinking yes. or fucking yourself at a showbiz. There will always be a show for every level of your success or failure as a reality douche. Yes. the whole infrastructure is there. There's you never have to leave television. Yeah, no, I I mean, really, the next one is just going to be called Crematorium. <laughs> Celebrity crematorium. And so 
Snooky goes from the Jersey Shore to Dr. Drew uh-huh. to the, the Dark Sleep to the crematorium where we have them earn the urn. It's... This season, see who earns the urn, and then they just, you know... <laughs> yeah, there's Daniel Baldwin's corpse wrestling with Snooky's corpse to see who gets the free urn. And the immunity challenge, it's going to be awesome. I had this horrible thought the other day, but didn't... It, it is true. I mean, it's a very good point you bring up, which is there was a exit where eventually they just got pushed out of a couple of uh, a couple of exit doors and we never saw yeah, them because, again. Yeah, because like, you're, you're not trying anymore, you're drunk, you're bloated, you, you've, you've stopped right. caring. But and, then, and now that makes them even more valuable real estate. Well, we started doing um, we, the, the surreal life or the real yeah. whatever and, and all these people. I mean, look, if you look at actually, I'll tell you where it's really taken a, a weird Turn earn the earn. I'm sorry. That's so Thanks. Use it. Use it from your next album. The um, oh, there was really taking a bad turn. Is these people are popping up on Celebrity Apprentice? Yes. Are popping up on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. Now wait a minute. Wait, these what? are not celebrities, and these are I know. Yeah, yeah. These are not stars. No, I know exactly know? what you're. Yeah, it's this weird. But in a way, they are stars because. Star has been degraded to, well, everyone knows who they are. They yeah. know their name, so boom. They don't know them for anything amazing. Sure, Jack done. Ruby would have been a star by today's... <laughs> oh, it might totally. Uh, ...yardstick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we are, we are totally... Um, just... And now, like, with these shows... Wasn't there a show, like... It was about the, the spawn of celebrities, like their kids... Yeah. ...going through all this craziness... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the next one is and and by the way, I always wonder where these guys. It's so crazy, like the celebrity kids. I don't know. It's like Rod Stewart's kids and uh, Lorenzo Lamas's kids and right. all this kind of stuff. And the, first off, the kid's like sleeved with tattoos, and he's he's nineteen, and he's wearing a wife beater, yeah. and he's like smoking in his dad's living room, and he's like, listen. Old man, I just asked if I could fucking borrow the Harley. Like, fuck, fucking drop your attitude, dude. And I'm like, wow. Like, wow, he's blowing smoke into his dad's face, and he's telling him to fuck off, and he's yeah. covered with tattoos, and it's like, Jesus. And there are probably halfway decent kids out there watching it to go, oh, that's how you get on TV. That's right. There was a really creepy, there was a, you know, that there's that show True Life on MTV, which is actually mm-hmm. a, a good show, mm-hmm. where they, they try to do documentaries about, you know, young people growing up and problems are having, but there's one called I'm Having Baby Mama Drama, and mm-hmm. it's about kids that are pregnant, mm-hmm. and so this one girl is pregnant, some dumb skate rat got her pregnant, and he, and he was like, well, I smoke pot every day, I can't get you pregnant, and now she's right. pregnant, and he doesn't want her to have anything to do with her, and neither does the skate rat's mom, but then they have this baby shower for her, where they're giving her gifts for the baby, and they pan over to one of her equally dopey friends, and the friend kind of under her breath, you hear her go, man, she's getting a lot of presents. Oh. You're like, oh, and this is how the cycle continues. Yeah, right, like, right. I could clean the up. Weird, yeah, if I just get myself pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like all the all this pathetic. like my super sweet sixteen. That 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 the lesson is: act like a crazy cunt, and you get to be on television. Yeah. If you're reasonable and nice and helpful, you're forget it. No one wants to hear from you. 
Yeah, well, it, it's it's boring, and then maybe it's when you're driving down the freeway, everyone wants to see the accident <clears throat> by the side of the road, not the good Samaritan helping the person again, change that's, their tire. That's the that is the deal we've made with ourselves. You know, of course, people want to watch the accident. Like we're just, again, we're so beaten down by how I, I gotta say, yeah, I I I agree, and I you know, it's, it's funny because I got a. I got a email from uh, Bill Simmons, the sports guy. Just uh, he, by the way, only needs fourteen inches of daylight. <laughs> he sent me an email the other day, and and it just it was cryptically worded, and it said like Ace, this is why the UFC is not a real sport, or something like that. And I I just and so I was like, huh? And then. He sent it to me and Kevin Hanch, who's right. uh, my writing partner, is also a crazy sports guy. Oh, sure. no, he sent it to Cousin Sal. He sent it to Jimmy, oh, boy. Cousin Sal. Mm-hmm. And Cousin Sal got it, and then his reply, which I got too, because he hit a reply all, was like, ouch, or something. Mm-hmm. And then I said, uh, you know what? I'm not going to... I don't want to see a guy getting a fucking compound fracture of his femur. I really <laughs> don't. I really yeah. don't want to see it. So... I didn't know what it was. I was titillated, but I didn't open it because right. I was like, I don't want to see the car wreck. No. And then I ran into Bill uh-huh. and Sal over Jimmy's last week, and I said, uh, Bill, I didn't open the email you sent me, but I'm guessing some it's sort of... An eye comes out of a skull some or something. joint bent direction it was not <laughs> supposed to go, or an yeah. orbital socket was crushed <laughs> in an eyeball. And he said... Yeah, this guy got his arm burnt and a bone popped through. And I said, yes. I thank. I said, please do not send me I don't any. Need to. I, I, there's enough footage from Vietnam to, to yeah. last me a lifetime. Yeah. Can't, can't we send around footage of someone doing something amazing in sports? Like, here's this guy with this great run. Yeah. Doesn't that excite us anymore? Or, or? just show me the cool thing where the guy <clears throat> can jump out of the shallow end of the swimming pool while there's water <laughs> in it on up yeah, onto the coping go. where you just go, holy shit, yeah, look let's at watch that people guy. succeeding. For well, let's let's try. I know you got to leave in yeah. 46 seconds. Yep. But just to say we took a phone call. Should let's we try one. that? What? Just to say we took one. Put Last this. time it was a debacle, but let's see what happens. Well, now we got phone lines, so uh, grab those headphones either to your left or to your right. Uh, you mean my cans? Uh, yes, that's what we call it. Uh, uh, here we go. Somebody's got a Ratatouille question, oh. by the way, which is an excellent uh, film. Let's try uh, Justin. Justin? Hello? No, maybe it is. Maybe the debacle continues. Oh, Justin. Justin from Brea? Uh, well, I can hear him on the other. Can hear him on the other line. It's weird. Old. Ratatouille, by the way, got somebody's in the. I don't know. I think I was watching at the movies or something yeah. like that. It got into somebody's top five or top ten or maybe even number one. It was. It was. Uh, it was a great movie. A great movie, and and just recently, uh, some. I heard some very. It was the end of the year list or something like that. Oh, I don't. Wow. I don't remember exactly what it was, oh. but I just remember very high praise for uh, Ratatouille. Uh, Justin, can you hear me now? Well, your streak is uh, still intact. We've never awesome. successfully taken a phone call, and <laughs> Patton has. Uh, what you we say call... that so calmly with such command. Well, the streak is unbroken, never taking a phone call. Patton, what else is going on in your life? Four open phone lines. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> Patton has to engage uh, in something that's uh, what we call in the gay porn industry a hard out. Yes. Uh, very... 
he was generous enough to share his time and his views with us, and uh, for that we thank him. Patton, great to see you as per usual. Buddy. Anytime you want me back here, I oh, love God, having this, you on. Oh, sorry, such a relief. I had to do a phone tour of radio this morning, so this was such. This is like the cleansing bath. Yes, you know, after having to work in the rendering plant all day. Yes. Hey, we got Patton Osweird from Hollywood, California. Let's go. It's so it's so weird that eventually, and it, it's so bizarre when you do those tours because you do them so early in the morning, oh, you do so many of them, yeah. and you stop hearing you stop hearing words and you just start hearing patterns like drop trial. You just hear this rhythm, right. and you realize these guys. If these guys had a stroke, they could still keep their jobs. If they could talk in the rhythm and just say band names, they could right. just come on and go, Hey, Bob, little, 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 journey. Coming up, man, it's pretty bad. They would just keep, keep jobs. Yeah, and every once in a while, they just toss in a, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you, and a drop <sighs> trow in between the Maroon Fives. And they'd be done. Patton, uh, b- by the way, oh, wait, I just picked up Greg Fitzsimmons. <laughs> Same thing. And that was Patton Oswalt on the Adam Carolla Show. And that'll do it for today's Carolla Classics. We want to remind everybody a few things. First off, if you want to submit a clip request, email us, classics at adamcarolla.com, or find us on Instagram at chrisloxamana1 or at Giovanni Giorgio. And, or just uh, find us, Google us. There are ways to get a hold of us. Let us know what you want to hear or if you have any questions for us. Also, got to remind you about Geico. That's right, if you own or rent then, of course, it's hard work, but let's make that easy for you by bundling those policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing, too, because you already got so much to do around the house. So all you got to do, visit GEICO.com, get a quote, see how much you could save. How easy is this? I've heard it's GEICO easy. I've heard the same. That's right. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All right, Corolla Classics returns tomorrow with our Sunday episode, so make sure to subscribe to the Corolla Classics feed to get that, and we'll see you there. My name's Chris Loxamana. That's Superfan Giovanni. Mahalo, and get on. Hey, movie lovers. Who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device, because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts. Ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Saving starts with Xfinity. Get a great price on Xfinity Internet. Plus, ask how to get an eligible 5G phone on us. And for a limited time, $300 back when you add Xfinity Mobile. Go to Xfinity.com slash start saving. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply.